<laughs> I'm dying. Don't die. I can't call 911 from here. <laughs> I don't Sorry. know where you live. No, that's true. I was I drinking do. when you said that. I choked. <laughs> everybody and welcome to book retorts i'm danielle i'm sam and this is a podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other that they don't have any experience with and it's extra weird this week i can guarantee it it is we are in part two part two everybody go listen to part one or don't i mean like we've always said you can certainly just drop in (laughs) (laughs) sam's gonna recap here shortly anyway oh boy am i by jude devereaux And if you didn't listen to the first part, again, don't worry, apparently it has no bearing on the second part, as informed to me by Danielle. <laughs> no, it really does have a lot of... Well, it doesn't... It doesn't, and it does. This but is Sam, my point, I, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, why don't you fill us in on what happened in part one of Legend? This is going to be an extremely short recap, because very little consequence seemed to happen in part <laughs> oh, one. All right, we might have to add some stuff in, because some of it does relate, Sam. <laughs> All right, so there is a woman named Katie or Caddy, depending on how catty you want to be. Uh, there is a line in the second part that says Katie with a D, so I'm going to assume it's going to be Katie with a yeah, D. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. I'm still going to, my head can is she's Caddy with a D, and she confuses people. It's Katie with a ah, D. <laughs> okay, anyway. She is engaged to Gregory, a handsome but boring real estate mogul from California, who is also a, I don't know, minor misogynist. It gets worse, but yeah, yeah, minor misogynist. At least initially, and she is a chef working at the restaurant of the mother of his fiance, and she has made this restaurant a big time deal, but has absolutely no ownership stake in it and refuses to start her own restaurant or stick up for herself. It's basically just a doormat. She is, that's true. She was going to leave to be fair that before she met gregory she was about to leave and there's a whole insinuation we'll get to that gregory's just marrying her to keep her at the restaurant which is a terrible way to do that anyway which is not a good (laughs) idea a bad idea on everyone's part anyway moving on uh she finds a flower tin of indeterminate size that somehow contains a perfectly preserved satin wedding dress like big poofy wedding dress and a photograph of some people from the old west and a pocket watch and she puts on the wedding dress because she has no sense of self-preservation or of cleanliness (laughs) and is instantly transported back in time to the old west 1870s colorado yeehaw (laughs) okay you're good at this sam good job thank you this is much better than my last several summaries. <laughs> oh, well, Danielle, what can I say? This one really sticks with you, whether you want to or not. This plot's much more linear than yours, too, to be fair. That is true. This plot actually has, like, a progression that is, it makes sense. Like, events follow events. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Fool on the Hill. Which is more of a mishmash, but that's not the point. The point is, Katie, in Colorado, amongst the petroglyphs, crawls out of a cave in her wedding dress to find a man being hanged by a series of other men, and she immediately thinks, he's cute, I need to save him. Because, contextless as it is, she just assumes he's being harassed by these three dastardly men, although she has absolutely no reason to think that, besides, maybe the hand of fate, which she gives way too much weight. She has, like, a sense. She has a sense. I mean, she just goes through time, Sam, so, I mean, not that she quite believes 
believes it yet. Sure, but to be sure. fair, if you went through time, wouldn't you follow your sense? <laughs> and maybe my sense would be, I just think I'd be like, I went through time. I know what's going on. I don't want to mess up the timeline. <laughs> That's why you would never get sent back in and time. I wouldn't be so arrogant as to assume that I went back in time for a reason. It wasn't just like some random happenstance and this is a very dangerous situation. <laughs> Like, that's very egocentric. Like, I, Katie, have been chosen by fate to go back in time. I'm the most important person in the world. How full of oh, herself for this is situation, she? The most important person for the situation, Sam. Yeah, I don't know. I think she's still full of herself. Maybe people travel in time all the time and you just don't know. I mean, if they do, good for them. Point is, she intervened. She, in her wedding dress, managed to scare off three banditos with a shotgun or a rifle that she fires randomly or something. Mm-hmm. And... Then gets the man off the horse. He's unconscious because he was strangled just a little bit, but not enough to actually kill him. And then wakes up to him making out with her because, you know, everyone in this book is just the best. (laughs) Oh my God, they're terrible characters. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they are. (laughs) Doesn't it hurt to hear them summarized this way? (laughs) I already kind of, I mean, Sam, I've read this book several times. I already knew they were terrible characters. (laughs) Yeah, but it's much worse when you have the harsh light of someone else's disdain shine on them. (laughs) That's true, I guess. So Katie pushes him off and is like, hmm. After, well, Katie waits a beat, then pushes him off. And he's like, oh, I thought you were an angel, so it was okay for me to sexually assault you. And she's like, oh, that's cute, but no. And then he offers to marry her, and she's like, no, because I still love Gregory, who's also terrible for different well, reasons. contextually, he's like, you're in a t- place that y- I'm getting like, you to can't. That. Okay. I'm just not, he didn't just say, hey, marry me. There was like a context in the conversation. I'm not saying it makes any more sense, but it does a little bit. He's just like, you're a woman in the Old West. You need a man to protect you. Let me marry you. Also, I just super want to bone you. Yes, that that works better. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm a strong, independent woman who is in the Old West. And that's a thing that it will go well here for me, who has no context for how society works at this time. Let me go to this town and I will make my own way. She's like, fine. It takes her to this old town. And she's like, I'm going to be a chef at the hotel or something. He's like, good luck with that. And she can't find any work. And the next day she goes back to him and is like, hey, I'm starving. No one will hire me. Can't you help me? He's like, I don't want to. Oh, you said you're independent. I'm going to be a jerk about this. <laughs> and for some reason, she insists and they get married. And she insists on sham marriage. He has other ideas because, again, terrible people. Well, he insists he can't just, like, take her in because he's a man that lives on, like, a property in the middle of nowhere and be unseemly. So Yeah, yeah, but married. I don't buy that for one second. No, of course not. That's not the point, Sam. That's just, I'm just saying <laughs> the logical following in the story. Anyway, uh, they spend some time together. He does some shirtless fishing. I don't care. Um... <laughs> At some why point, is that, that scene important? That scene is actually mildly important. Do is you it because why? the scars on his back for the the whole story is his family was killed by bank robbers and not just bank robbers, but there was a bank robbery in the town. As the robbers were fleeing, the townspeople decided to shoot randomly and apparently really terribly after the bank <laughs> robbers by killing the other townsfolk. And then his father and grandfather or uncle or somebody run after them and they got killed by the bank robbers and his sister got killed and it's like all big tragedy. And it all happened because the town. Folk apparently can't aim. I like that your summary is very peppy. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway. And so he hates guns. Yeah, he hates guns. Okay, great. And he great. uses knives, like, obsessively. So he's a creepy knife. One of those guys you saw in, like, high school who's like, oh, I want to see my knife clutch. I got a butterfly <laughs> knife and I got this he's kind of knife. The- <laughs> but he actually uses them because he lives in the Old West. So uh-huh, it's just okay. his, both his means of protection and that he actually uses them in the day I'm gonna, life. I'm still going to categorize him as a weird knife kid. Sure, go for it. <laughs> 
anyway, uh, he eventually takes her back to the petroglyph. She finds the portal. And I'm going to tell you some really crazy stuff right now that I left out on purpose because it's much more funny to, to mention it now. And as she's about to go through the portal, a Arabian vision, a man <laughs> who is an Arabian man on a horse and a veiled man steps in front of her. And this is a man she's been dreaming about since childhood. Every week she's dreaming about the Arabian man who she can never reach. And she's like, oh, this is the guy I actually love, even though it's she kind of loves Gregory and also um, I forgot the other guy's name. Cole. Cole, Connor? Cole. Cole, whatever. <laughs> Connor. That's, that's right. That's wolves. That's the ones you can't remember. <laughs> that's what we name all the characters we can't remember. <laughs> yeah, we've got another C name yet. Now, you can't blame me for that. <laughs> I'll remember this one, though. <laughs> Anyway, so just as she's about to sort of step around the Arabian man who clearly wants her to stay in this time period, Cole swoops her off her feet, takes her back to his house, and kidnaps her. Basically imprisons her in his mansion because, surprise, Cole is terrible. He's also the wealthiest <laughs> man in the town. Also, also, he owns the town. And also, also, he's told everyone, A, not to give her a job so she'd be destitute and have to rely on him. And B, to <laughs> imprison her in his house and not let her leave because he's the best. And she is not immediately like... That's a deal breaker. She's like, oh, I'm sure he had his reasons because he wants to protect me, which we'll get to later, which is infuriating to me. <laughs> Sam has a lot of problems with this book that I don't have because it's a book. <laughs> I know it's a book, Danielle, but it doesn't mean it's a good Like, it's a good reason. Like, this doesn't make some kind of sense. I thought one of the reasons why I like this book, though, is that stuff just doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah, but like, I just, I hate the characters too much. It's like, I just, everything they do is like, I want to smack all of them. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Cole doesn't last very long in this first half anyway. I know, thankfully. Anyway, so she decides that while she's in prison, she is somehow given free reign over Cole's fortune and decides to spend it liberally to throw a giant feast for all the town people and employ them at ridiculously <laughs> high wages to spread the wealth. And at no point does she think to maybe use the money to bribe her way out or to escape or to do anything else sensible and decide, no, I want to stay here and make a giant feast because I'm a big fan of Babette's Feast, the movie. Yes. That about sums that up. Though yeah. I'm not sure at the beginning if people actually would have let her leave anyways, even if she did bribe them. I don't know why, Sam. In real life, probably yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Cole returns. There's a big feast. He tricks somebody by putting a fried rat on his plate. It's like, ha ha. And he is incensed by this and realizes that, hey, maybe kidnapping a woman isn't a good idea. And drags her back off to the petroglyphs, throws her to the portal, and she's back home. Yay, the book can end here. Except Katie, the king of bad decisions, makes another terrible decision when she sees a vision of blood spreading across Cole's shirts like, oh no, he's in danger. This kidnapping liar who just threw me out of his house, I must go save him. And she dashes back through the portal into the past again, and he's not actually dying. He's fine. Well, I mean, he was wounded, but yeah, he doesn't die. Uh, whatever, though. He's fine. He's, he's not a big deal. He would have been fine without her. Yes, I'm sure. And she goes back and spends an indeterminate amount of time with him, days, weeks, making a little love nest with her abuser, and then <laughs> his grandmother shows up, who she wrote a letter to in desperation, pleading for her help to get her to escape, and apparently this woman shows up and is like, hey, surprise, let's have tea. My son is dead. He died when he was nine. Grandson. Grandson, whatever. She died no, when I was- <laughs> Okay. He died when I was, when he was nine during the bank robbery, so I don't know who you're talking to. It's a ghost, maybe. <laughs> you time traveler ghost lover and during all this she's like hey i'm glad you gave my son a chance for happiness or something but also one of the bank robbers appeared dead recently and i think it might have been my ghost son taking revenge grandson grandson, grandson. whatever <laughs> ghost ghost kin ghost relative taking revenge but hey 
You got to go back to your time. And back in your time, do me a favor and find my descendants, who I'm sure are still alive. And I sure won't be any difficulty tracking them down from your home in Virginia. And I don't know, go see how they're doing. If I don't hear back from you in like six weeks, I'll assume you didn't find them for some reason. Also, there's a silver mine and Cole and Katie hatch a plan to bury the silver under the mosque in the town. But that's a dumb idea because she could have just taken the silver with her instead of waiting for it to be buried under the town and then go finding it in her own time. Uh, do you remember what Ruth did after the firefight in town? Who's Ruth? Ruth is a grandma. Okay, good. <laughs> good thing you clarify. <laughs> Uh, after the fire, didn't she like bury her children? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you remember that while she was, her, her husband had just died in her grief. Do you remember what she did? No. She ends up having sex with the father of the of Cole's best friend who died in the raid. Oh, yeah. I didn't care about that either. Oh, yeah, but it's re- it's relevant, Sam. <laughs> I get it. She's going to have a love child. It's fine. She did have a love child. She took him to Denver. She put him in a like a house and never let him out. And then he, he ran away at the age of 16. Oh, that's a shock. That's you like imprison the- a child and then he runs away. Right. But that was the entire impetus for like why she wanted her to go after the relatives in the, the future is to try and like heal the wounds of both the gruesome murders and the fact that she has no relationship with her child because of them. Yeah, I'm sure Katie, a stranger, 130, 40 years in the future can really make a big difference at these wounds that they probably don't even remember at that point. <laughs> it's fate, Sam. It's fate. It's not fate. It's dumb. <laughs> but let's continue. Okay. <laughs> But overall, good job, good job. I'm impressed. You know you're doing fool on the hill every time people just showed up from having visions. So I'm going to stick by at that. Just saying something happens because, oh, it's fate is just as nonsensical. It sure happened way more in fool on the hill, though, to be fair. I mean, this entire book is nothing but the hand of fate guiding Katie to make bad decisions. That's true. Moving on. Thank you. Good job. Good summary, Sam. That's my summary, that last sentence. So legend. She's gone through the portal. She went back at the end. Is she still wearing the wedding dress? No. She's been well, we mean when she goes back, no, she's in her clothes that she was wearing that day. Okay, I her I just think it so why does the wedding dress have to do with the portal? If she doesn't need to be wearing the wedding dress to enter the portal, what's the point I of it? I think it just was the trigger to get her there originally. We'll talk about the portal a little bit more in this part. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself again. <laughs> So Katie wakes up in her own apartment and she is in her old Western garb, but not the wedding dress, which is gone. And she kind of just decides to restart her life. So she's impressively ignoring the fact that she just time traveled and had a love affair with a dead kid adult guy. Did they really have a love affair or, or was it just an emotional affair? Um, I mean, they made out a few times. They never had sex. Okay. So I don't know. However you want to put that. Still bad. <laughs> so apparently it's the same day, though they sort of gloss over that in the story, which I thought was funny because so, so much was made of it in the first half of the book but it's just the same day but now that she's gone through all this stuff at legend she's feeling pretty you know full of herself she's got some good self-esteem she's feeling strong she's feeling oh pretty. yeah because fate plucked her from her mundane life to make her special no it was all the stuff that she got to do or she got to like you know become do something that she wanted to do and she taught all these people about the food and we had friends and i don't know she just had like a different life there she felt more involved and cared for and like she was needed okay if you say so so now she has self-esteem sam that's the point okay <laughs> Now she has self-esteem. We'll see if she uses it. Gregory's in the restaurant hanging out, and she's a little nervous that he'll be able to tell that she's been a, like, cheater, cheater, Peter, pumpkin eater this whole time. But Is that uh, the phrase? Peter, pumpkin eater, the cheater? Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater? No, I just made up that phrase. <laughs> what, what is a pumpkin in this context, and what, is, and what does it mean to be eating it? Uh, the pumpkin is coal. <laughs> oh. 
asked and answered. <laughs> but he doesn't seem to notice, probably because she's only been gone like 12 hours. So like, why would he also, notice? Also, like, I smell the old West on you. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's excited to see him because it's been a really long time for her. And he's basically like, this is not the time or the place to be like making out in an empty kitchen on Sunday morning, I guess. Well, we all know he's a misogynist and probably a cheater as well. Uh, probably. So he also disparages her outfit, which she took such care in that, sm- that morning to put on, which is like a little bit tighter fitting than her usual. He well, tells her it's- based on her past experience, someone being mean to her just makes her want them more. Yeah, uh, yeah. But not quite. So he tells her it's too sexy for the restaurant and also that he, she needs to get off his lap because his legs are falling asleep. Wow. He's a terrible uh, person. Katie has the worst taste in men. He's terrible. He's like, these are people who are cartoonishly evil. And she's like, they're for me. So her friends, so that scene's done. Her friends quickly realize something's going on when Katie is suddenly like super outgoing and wants to go shopping and like do all the things she didn't really want to do before. And she's obviously not going to tell them about the cowboy time travel, but she does Why tell them. Why would she? I know. She does tell them that she's realized that she wants to do something with her life, like not just cook, you know, really good meals for people who have eaten a ton of really good meals, but she wants to, it seems just kind of frivolous now, but she wants to do something that's more, more helpful, like teach cooking to, to people who really need to learn it or like mothers that are in poverty stricken areas or underprivileged kids. I want to hear this conversation be like, all right, so I just had a time-traveling cowboy adventure. Right? I went back in time, I met a cowboy, he kind of imprisoned me, but he was still pretty cute, and I made a big feast, so I spent all his money while I was imprisoned. But now that's inspired me to go start like a soup kitchen, or teach cooking classes to impoverished mothers, because yeah, that's what they really need, is cooking classes and not, say, a social safety net that works. Because so they have her, so like, much free time to cook elaborate no, meals for their whole, families. Yes, I'm not disagreeing, but the concept... <laughs> What she says in it, basically, it's she got a lot of um, value out of teaching all the people of legend who had never like learned any of that before. Look, if like, she wants to teach cook. cooking, that's fine. But you don't need to like paint us an altruistic gift to the world right. about learning cooking from the great and powerful Katie. Well, she's not. <laughs> I don't think she was putting it as that. I think what she was saying is that she got a, she like it was nice to see people who kind of like wanted to learn who who didn't know how to do healthy meals, like learn how to do healthy meals. And so like the part of the concept for her was teaching people who like the American population. Was healthy cooking like the biggest problem in the Oh my God, I finished my sentences. No, you said it goes on for a million years, Danielle. (laughs) I was talking about like how American people put like potato chips on top of their casseroles and she's just trying to like teach them how to do healthier, like easy meals to feed their families. Right. Like every other professional chef with a cookbook. (laughs) Sure. I'm not disagreeing with your concept. I'm just saying that, yes, it was a little over-the-top altruistic, but the concept was trying to teach people who otherwise wouldn't get to know how to teach to cook healthy meals, how to cook healthy meals. Yeah, I mean, this is pre-internet, we have to remember. Yes, it is the 90s. So her oldest friend Jane is convinced that something has happened that would change Katie's perspective, because as you said earlier, she's normally a doormat. So <laughs> that's what she says. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. known you all your life and you've never been a crusader. You've always been content to stand in the background and let others walk all over you. <laughs> Jane, I like the color of your jib. <laughs> and Katie's like deeply offended and tries to deny it. And Jane like says like, well, look at how Mrs. Norman treats you and you don't even look say anything to that. freaking Cole treated you. Yes, but she doesn't know about Cole. Yeah, so- but like Katie should know about Cole. <laughs> Cole at least liked her. Katie. Oh, okay. That makes it okay. I'm no, sorry. No, it doesn't make it okay. Great. He <laughs> likes her though, so it's all good. 
not what I mean, Sam. I have glossed over a lot of their relationship development because you know what? I, we don't have time. <laughs> Danielle, I know you have. And as funny as that is to me, I also, I, I can't imagine anything that would That's justify good. that. I know. <laughs> I'm it sorry, doesn't. but like, you know, I'm sure they had a lot of meaningful conversations and long gaze into each other's eyes and breathless almost makeout sessions because this and is a romance novel. <laughs> Yeah, and actual makeup sessions too. But, you know, the second a guy kidnaps me for 10 days and imprisons <laughs> me in his mansion, disagree. I think no, no, no amount of eye gazing is going to make me okay with him. <laughs> I don't disagree, Sam. I am not validating his kidnapping. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Katie, they kind of like agree to disagree. They She drives back to the restaurant in silence and Katie ponders kind of like what's going on with her lately because everything seems to bother her. So she's been back for almost four weeks at this point and she feels like her whole life has changed. So basically like Mrs. Norman's getting on her nerves constantly like and things that she liked or accepted now now she doesn't like, she doesn't accept them and she has gone from being really content in her life to wanting something else. She's not sure what it is. Uh, maybe being treated with respect? <laughs> yes, that might be it. <laughs> What a novel concept. <laughs> and also her dream of the Arabian man has started to bother her as well, because previously it was kind of like idle curiosity. She just thought it was weird that she had it every week. But recently it's felt like really urgent and like time is running out and she doesn't understand like why it feels that way. Well, having visions of him stopping you from entering a time portal can also make it a little weirder. Right. She knows that it has something to do with like legend and coal and all that, but she's not sure what. Okay. I mean, whatever. And she hasn't been looking for the family yet, I assume. No, she is not. Oh, her time's running out. She's got two weeks left. I'll get there. I don't think she remembers it at this point. But <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> but she's like even questioning Gregory because he makes her feel secure, but he's not very like passionate. She doesn't feel like he necessarily likes her or loves her. Okay. She's not sure. Danielle, I got to make a distinction here between a guy who gives you security, but maybe isn't like the most exciting, which is a perfectly reasonable compromise to make, mm -hmm. and a guy who is actively misogynist and treats you badly and like has weird ownership over you and is manipulative. Like those are two different things. Yes, they are. But she's trying to figure out who Gregory is or what Gregory is. Well, she has all the evidence she needs in my opinion. <laughs> Well, it's like to her, she's like, well, why does he want to marry me if he doesn't love me? Doesn't that prove something? Because I don't have anything to bring to the table. I'm not rich. Like, why? He's really well off. He could have anybody, but he does wants me. Does she not me, understand so. how people work? No, she does not. <laughs> like, people marry people for like, would do that even if they don't love you, for control, for money, for thrills. I don't know. Well, and she They're doesn't have, like, she doesn't have the self-worth to be like, I bring a lot to this relationship. Like, I run their entire restaurant. Yeah. Like, but she doesn't have that. Yet. Or even just sex. I mean, come on. Yeah, they don't have a lot of sex. That's the whole point. Well, that's not the whole point, but that's part of what she says. Okay, well, you know, poor Katie. Yes. So one day she asks him why he wants to marry her, and he scoffs and asks if it's like one of those questions that no matter what he says, he'll be wrong, which, yes, in real life, that is one of those things. <laughs> yeah, it's a trap. Like, you're it's never going to get it right. <laughs> But she, she's like, he's like, I love you. Why else would I marry you? And she forces him to give her some like logical reasons after that. And he tells her that she, she wait, wait, he let says, say, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Okay. Uh, there are two reasons I want to marry you and they're both on your chest. Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Let me get another guess. Let me get another guess. <laughs> uh, it's because I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. No, I don't think he's that attracted to her. Sam. Okay. Okay. Let me try another one. Um, if I didn't marry you, you would leave our restaurant and my mom wants me to control you. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, but no, he yeah. doesn't say that. 
I like my two first answers better. <laughs> he tells her that she'll be easy to live with. She was quiet and undemanding, and she didn't ask a lot from a man, and he liked that. <laughs> Danielle, my gosh, this just reminds me of a much better of a much better show, Daria. Yes, where. Daria and Tom are discussing a relationship, and she's like, do you take me for granted? Do you and she's like, oh, I'm comfortable with you. And she's like, comfortable like furniture? And I'm like, this is exactly it. He's just described her as if she were like a couch. I know. It's terrible. I hate Gregory. <laughs> I mean, I hate all the men in this book. Despite your protestations, Cole's terrible. I'm saying it right now, and Gregory's no better. No, I don't no like necessarily like Cole. I don't necessarily like any of the guys in this novel. It's not that. But, like, Gregory is, like extra bad <laughs> well because he has no as you said dorky naivete that might he has help no redeeming redeem features in this is the thing like the other ones at least are like a more well-rounded character with like three-dimensional traits and some good some like mini bad but some good like yeah. gregory literally as he's just he's like mustache twirling evil <laughs> i i really want to know how did katie end up with this loser like what was like his romance like hey baby you're in my restaurant let's get married that was it no it was six months of like he took her out for dinner and brought her roses and she'd never been spoiled that much so she like instantly fell for him yeah because apparently no guy likes to try to date an attractive professional successful chef <laughs> She's just never had time for romance until now, Sam. Uh-huh. All right. Well, let's move on before so, I get angrier. <laughs> yeah. She asks him what would happen if she asked a lot from him. Like, she wants to be half owner of Onions, the restaurant, which is reasonable. reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I put that in parentheses. Reasonable. <laughs> and having Should have been name the first thing she said. <laughs> and having her name on the deed to the house that they're both going to live in. Yes. And she also wants her accountant to go over the restaurant books because she wants to share in the profits. Also very reasonable. All, All reasonable demands. stuff, yeah. <laughs> she should have done it years ago when it got famous. She should have done that immediately or gone to start her own restaurant. Or, as I said in part one, have like onions, the steakhouse, and make like a fancy French restaurant. They're not directly competitors. You can have They're local not. restaurants of different oh, cuisines. I absolutely agree. But here we are. Here we are. So so he looks shocked and then laughs at her and he says, I'll quote, Katie, my dear, for a moment you sounded just like your dreadful friend Jane. If you want to buy anything, just let me your mother know and we'll make sure you have the funds. I think running the kitchen is more than enough for you to handle. You don't need to start trying to become a bookkeeper as well. Stick to frying eggs and I'll handle the rest of it. Wow. I have no, oh. nothing I can say that's going to be worse than oh. that. So, Ouch. <laughs> He's condemned himself far worse than I could. <laughs> impressive like it just an impressive dismissal you're like oh you're if lucky Katie that she didn't. doesn't immediately dump his ass right here she i have no she, respect for her she, at all okay. so it, we'll get there but she decides to drop it for the moment katie katie <laughs> katie no bad katie <laughs> i know but she does get persnickety later with it when she tries oh, to persnickety tell that's the right <laughs> response We'll get there. We'll say we're going to get there literally like a couple of paragraphs here. I, well, we should have gotten there <laughs> chapters ago. I know, but we got to like draw this out for books, book story. So she tries to tell him about her cooking classes that she wants to do. And he's super unsupportive about it. And Shocking. then he's, yeah. And then he's like, you know what? I think you need a break. You've been really weird the last few weeks. Like just take a few days off over the weekend, recharge, you know, come back to work on, on Monday. We'll restart. And Katie agrees. She's like, yeah, I don't know what's been wrong with me. I do need a, I need a break. But the minute she gets home, she like can't go to sleep. She's wired for sound. So she starts to write down like all the recipes that she used in legend and then starts writing down like everything, everybody she Fried met, all the like, stories. <laughs> uh, baked rattlesnake. <laughs> yes, all those Hard things. Hardtack. 
And the more she thinks about like everything that she went through, the more she kind of like, it's like the first time she's let herself think about legend. And so she starts to cry and she realizes that Gregory makes her feel like he's doing her a favor by marrying her. And nobody in legend ever made her feel like that. She always felt really important and needed there. Sure. Okay. So next. (laughs) Needed, imprisoned, same thing. (laughs) By the townsfolk. So a series of events happen, Sam. So she goes back to work. And one evening, Mrs. Norman is, as always, following her around the kitchen, critiquing her choices of ingredients and presentation and all of that. This is like the first time you actually see Mrs. Norman, which I think is How funny. How did she come with this for years? I don't know. And finally, Katie yells at her to get out. Uh, it's like shocked. She leaves the kitchen. And the entire kitchen staff erupts into applause and cheers until Gregory comes in to ask her what the heck's going on. And she basically tells him to like go mind his own business. She's in the middle of cooking. <laughs> This reminds me of like Kitchen Nightmares when you have the really like annoying uh, owner who thinks he knows better than the chefs. Yes. But so, sadly, here we go. you don't see Gordon Ramsay, save her. <laughs> so that night after work, Gregory brings her into his office and tells her that what she did was disrespectful and intolerable and that his mother had to be sedated. <laughs> sedated? What is this? The like 1920s? <laughs> huh? She got the vapors from your harsh word. We had to sedate her with laudanum. That's exactly the conversation that's happening. And he's like, I don't understand why you're acting this way. My mother's been so good to you. We've given you free reign. And, you know, mom's worked so hard to bring onions back to its former glory. And then she included you in all of that. Uh And Katie's like, what the heck? Like, I brought onions back to its former glory. Your mom's just despite your mother. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And when Katie doesn't apologize or say anything, Gregory finally, like, sighs heavily and tells her that he had wanted to wait and, and give this to her as a surprise for their wedding night. But, you know, she's forced his hand. It's my STD results. Positive. <laughs> Monster for chlamydia. No. Uh, <laughs> so she now she kind of feels like a little guilty, like, well, maybe he was going to put her name on the deed to the house or a third of the restaurant was going to be hers or something like that. And so he hands over these like paper, this paperwork to her. And Gregory explains that he has big plans for them. He's going to mass produce her best recipes and open a chain called Norman House Restaurants. Norman House. Norman House. Like That's not her name. name. It's his last name. Yeah, I got that. But her last name. <laughs> and like she and yeah, she's looking at the paperwork. She doesn't see her name on anything. And his big surprise is that he was going to allow her to develop recipes that could be produced for the restaurants. And Katie's like, you are planning to franchise me? <laughs> Basically, yeah. And Gregory doesn't seem to like hear the horror in her voice. And he says, women all over America are complaining that men think of them as someone to stay at home and take care of the kids. But I have thought of you that way, Katie. To me, you are big business. You're She's a golden goose to him, a cash cow. <laughs> exactly. And she's like absolutely shocked, asking him if he's ever loved her. And he's like, oh, of course I do. I love what we're going to do together, what we can achieve together. Uh-huh. Like our marriage is going to have a foundation of concrete. It's not based on like passion and concrete you know. money, you mean. <laughs> Yes, she's appalled by what he's saying. But instead of feeling like devastated, she's surprised to feel relieved. Like, I don't have to marry this jerk. Thank God. (laughs) I mean, sure, it only took you at least four weeks longer than it should have. Yes, absolutely. She draws out her key ring and removes the keys to the restaurant and puts them on his desk, wishing him goodbye. And he grabs her as she's trying to leave, trying to tell her, like, oh, I love you. You know, we could do we can do such big things together. And I could have chosen anybody, but I chose you, essentially. And then whoa, he shows... Whoa, whoa, whoa. He could have chosen any... All those chefs, professional <laughs> chefs, he had lined up an onion that were revitalizing. Any one of them he could have chosen. 
But he chose her. And then he shoves two tickets to the ice show for the following Thursday into her hands, saying he bought the tickets for them to go. And she's like, I work Thursdays, obviously. And as she looks down at the tickets, she sees that there's like a handwritten note on them. And it says, can't wait to see you, Greggy. Bunches of love, Bambi. Uh-huh. Guess Homeboy's who called cheating. that one? <laughs> you did. And Katie laughs. She's like, tell Bambi hello for me. And she gives him back to the tickets and leaves. <laughs> Well, didn't I say this from like the first time you mentioned Gregory that he was going to be like an 80 or 90s, you know, yes. slick back hair, sleazy guy? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, played by the guy that was in Titanic that plays the character that him, the main girl. <laughs> or the guy from, like I said, the, I think I said the wedding singer, like that guy. Yes, totally. Either same, would work. Same, same vibe. <laughs> exactly. So, fast forward, she's on the way to the post office to send some resumes. She hit the ground running, and she walks by a bookstore with a window display about gold mines. Oh, here we go. But it wasn't a gold mine. It was a silver mine, Danielle. We'll get there. Thinking of legends, she stops and looks at the books, and she finally sees one titled, uh, The Lost Maiden Mine Could Be Yours. I don't know if you... I remember. There was a mine that was lost. You mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a mine mine that was lost that was found, I think it's in the 80s. I think I said said this in the 70s last time, but it was found in the 80s. It was like a big to do across the nation. And they waste all the money on lawyers litigating who actually got the spoils. Yes, but apparently, according to this book, it hasn't been found. So Katie laughs, thinking that the books are like out of date or whatever, but on impulse ends up going into the store. And she's looking through the books... And assuming she's she going to find change history, <laughs> assuming she's going to find articles about what was, you know, the, the mine that was found. And she's like, there's nothing in the book. So it doesn't say anything about it. And she's like, well, they can't be all out of date. And there's a really simple solution to this, which is just check the date of the yeah, publishing the of the book. Page. <laughs> does she, has she ever read a book before? <laughs> and during this scene, every time I read this scene, I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> Seriously, all I got to do is look at the back of the, of the title page and there should be a copyright date right there. <laughs> she also asks someone if they remember the story because it was such a huge deal and they have no recollection of it. And suddenly she's like wondering if the mine really hadn't been found. Does that mean that Cole found it? And if if he did, did he live past nine years of age? Like what's happening? And she runs off to the library. If Cole did find it, how did it get... Like it got found by people in the 80s, presumably through their own means. So someone finding it again in the 1870s shouldn't affect their ability to refine it if it was still law. I don't know, Danielle. But there this wouldn't be for- any money in it, so it probably wouldn't have made... So why are they writing books about it? I'd say, I don't know, because it's like, <laughs> apparently just was never found. I don't know the like, you're right, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, like I, okay, I'm willing to give a lot of leeway to time travel because it's, it's all pretty nonsensical anyway in terms of how books and movies and TV shows use it, which is fine. It's fun. It's, it's goofy. But like, you gotta have, like, if you're gonna do like a butterfly fly effect situation where you, everything you do in the past is going to have a big effect on the future, that's fine. Or if you're going to have, like, you can go back and deliberately change things, that's fine. Or if you're going to do, like, a 12 Monkeys where you can go back in time, but you can't change anything. But you got to pick how your time travel works. Well, apparently, maybe somebody found it in the past, and therefore it hasn't been found in the future, which doesn't make sense. They could still be looking for it. They wouldn't know that there was no gold in the mine. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, but alas, it has not been found for reasons, Sam. Okay, sure. <laughs> so... Fast forward one week, she's been researching legend continuously, and the mine appears to still be lost. And the story that Ruth had told her about legend, how she had, like, shut down the whole town and sent everybody out, and there was, like, a cholera epidemic, and, you know, everybody blamed her for the destruction of the town. That all seems to be true to history as well. And the story about Ruth moving to Denver and having a son named Cole Tarek Jordan. Tarek was the name of Cole's best friend that got shot during the robbery, as a reminder. So she had another son, 
to replace her dead son and the son of her lover and named her new son after both the dead children. But this is the son of her lover. Right. So what I'm saying is her her lover's actual son, the best friend of Cole, was killed. Yes. But that and wasn't so, her son. No, but I'm it saying she, her, it was her lover's son, which is what right, I said. Right, right, right. Just she clarifying. named her new son after her dead lover's son and her dead son. Yes, she did. That's creepy. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was a family name. Maybe. I don't remember what the dad's name was. Maybe Cole's a passed on name. I'm just people. saying, like, there's no way that kid doesn't have a complex. Like, She's trying to replace her dead children with me. Like, that is obviously going to give that kid a complex. Yes. I mean, he already has a complex because, you know. They, he locked her in a cabin <laughs> for 16 <laughs> yeah, she's years. Ra- I guess raised that. in a <laughs> My point compound. is further evidence that she's a terrible mother. Well, yeah, definitely. And whatever. she knows that. She knows that. I mean, that's not, she never says that she was a good mother. So grandmother she found, also, yeah, whatever. Or no, yeah, probably not a good grandmother either. So she found one mention of Ruth's passing away at some point, and she was survived by C.T. Jordan, who, uh, it's her son, who was unable to attend her future. And that, like, makes her sad because she's thinking, oh, she never got a chance to, like, reconcile with her son after we talked kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But what about the son? How does he feel? Like, why does the son have to reconcile with his abuser? Uh, He doesn't. And he is never mentioned in the story. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like. Oh, poor Ruth. Never got to reconcile with the son. She totally messed up and abused. I'm like, I, my pity for Ruth is minimal. It is. But I mean, she d- did have the turnaround later in life. But no, her her abused son does not have to reconcile with her if he doesn't want to. Yeah. But she was trying to change the past so that she would never have abused the son in the first place, I think was the concept. Yeah. So how would she change the past? She wants because she wants the murders to have never happened. So if the murders had never happened, then yeah, she but, wouldn't have like destroyed the town and left. And but Katie raised her back kid. in time far enough for that we're gonna get there sam <laughs> but then who wanted to who i'm sorry who wanted to change the past this is all very confusing Did ruth, ruth wanted, wanted to change ch- the past she is hoping that somehow so if- she want wait let me let me try first because i want you to correct me because i'm gonna be wrong uh-huh. <laughs> so ruth wanted to change the past so that the town folk never murdered her family so she wouldn't abuse the son and actually would never have that son by asking katie to contact her family in the future yeah. So she thinks somehow Whoa, I don't Sam, I don't know the thought process, but it's like somehow she thinks that if Katie contacts her descendants, like it'll work out. <laughs> yeah, if I you contact my family 140 years in the future, and that's somehow going to retroactively change the past, so that the whole situation that brought those people into existence in the first place never happened. It's a book, Sam. This is likely going to resolve this problem, but yes, in reality, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I get a book, Danielle, but you can't. As we say, you know, you can justify anything by saying it's a book, but a book should at least make a modicum of sense, have a through line, have <laughs> rules that are internally consistent. No, she just feels like if Katie was given the power to, like, come back and raise her dead grandson to adulthood and, like, be with him and give him a chance at revenge and a life, like, she must have some kind of power in the in the future. I mean, also. that's a fair enough. She could be like, <laughs> you're a time-traveling god. Right. Fix my She's family. She's just like, try it. <laughs> if not, then it doesn't work. We're no worse off. But, you know, try. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a fair point. Give it a shot. But the fact that it does work is BS. Well, and Ruth doesn't like... I think she's just hoping it's going to work. It's not like I, she just I'm not blaming Ruth for like, hey, time traveling stranger, maybe you can fix the timeline. That's totally a reasonable <laughs> request to make of someone you don't understand. But if it actually works in this book, that's nonsense. Yeah, well, you'll find out if it does I can't wait. <laughs> anyway, 
So she can't find out anything more that happened about the sun. And exhausted after days of searching, she falls asleep and she immediately has her infamous Arabian man dream. Yeah, there he yeah. is. I wonder when he's going to show up again. But this time it was slightly different. So he seems to be angry at her in the dream. And she's moving away from him this time instead of him moving away from her. And he speaks for the first time. And he says, now, you must come now. If you do not come now, I cannot return. Let me tell you something, Danielle. I have said that before. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> there are better ways to achieve those goals. <laughs> well, he doesn't try any of them. And then he disappears and she's left alone in the desert asking where he is and how she can find him. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, Danielle. Not very effective way to keep someone happy. <laughs> so... She awakes, she's crying, and then she gets really angry at the Jordan family, kind of fair, cursing them and yelling like they want her to do something in this modern age, but she doesn't get does any help. Does she assume the Arabian man is a Jordan? She does. She thinks they're tied in. They're like somehow he's tied in with them because he's, you know, blocked her from at the portal and like well, all time travel. I mean, I know he's signed to the time travel somehow. I wouldn't necessarily think he's signed to the Jordan family, but I guess it's all about them. Well, at one point, she does say that she, like, has kind of felt that he looked a little bit like Cole, but she wasn't, like, sure. sure. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry. Maybe, oh, I know who it is. Is that C.T. Jordan? We'll get there, Sam. Okay. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the future plot. So she's well, cursing at the air. all about time travel. Let's time travel to the future of this plot, Danielle, and you can tell me about it and then come like, back yeah, in time and back. see how it changes the past plot. <laughs> what does it matter? <laughs> so she's cursing at the air, like, help me. Like, I can't do all this on my own. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing for you people. And suddenly she can hear Ruth's voice reminding her that she was to be given six weeks to contact her descendants because apparently she did <sighs> remember the last conversation she had before traveling through time. <laughs> I, I, I suddenly all the respect I gained for Katie for dumping Gregory has vanished. <laughs> she does kick him later if that makes you feel any better. I don't know. My 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 feelings for these characters is just a roller coaster, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh my god, six weeks and she tears over to a calendar looking to see how long it's been and she has three days, Sam. <laughs> yeah, but like, who cares if it's six weeks? Like, it's time travel. <laughs> Well, we'll get there. Why six weeks actually matters at all. Because right. it and does. It does know? actually matter. <laughs> how did Ruth know six weeks mattered? And six weeks from when she returned, which they didn't know when she was going which to return. They, didn't know. they were just assuming it was the same day that she came through, which was a big assumption, let's be honest. Right. And again, this book has done nothing to establish the rules of the universe and how the time travel and magic works. Nope. And it continues to just be a mystery. So... She asks, like, she asks the universe again. She's like, where am I supposed to start looking for these people? Because this is pre-internet, and the pre-internet days were hard, Sam. <laughs> oh, believe me, I, know. I remember them. <laughs> me too. So she hears Ruth's voice again repeating uh, from their conversation that her son had gone to New York to make his way. And she could be in New York in three hours. <laughs> Why does she have to hear a voice in her head repeating things rather than just, you know, remembering a conversation? <laughs> because it's magical, Sam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So three hours, she can be in New York, and I'm sure finding someone in New York is super easy. <laughs> yeah, Danielle, I run to people from my hometown here, and let me tell you, it's not that easy to find people. <laughs> like, coincidences happen, but it's not like you can show up here in three days like, oh, I'm going to find this specific person. <laughs> like, walk around. Excuse me, are you a Jordan? Are you a Jordan? Yeah. 
Exactly. Like, people be like, yes, I am. Are you the right Jordan? Like, I want to be the right Jordan. There are <laughs> well, a lot of Jordans in the world. This is actually her first step when she gets to New York, Sam, is she just calls people named Jordan from the phone book. <laughs> this is <laughs> upon a Terminator. This is when they send him back in time. This starts going through all the Sarah Connors in the phone book. This is exactly. dumb. <laughs> so surprisingly, that does not work, and she does not find who she's looking for. Well, it doesn't work because she's not a robot or a Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That was the problem all along. This plot would be better if it oh turned my gosh, out she no. was actually This is basically Terminator. There's time travel. There's terrible people. Uh-huh. There is, are men who do very who to abuse women. Yeah. And there is a weird past love from time travelers. And there's going through a phone book to try to find a specific person. I think this is Terminator, Danielle. This must be Terminator 6. So that already, Does that already exist? How many are there now? <laughs> I don't know. There's at least three. There's probably more. There's a Daniel. There's at least like <laughs> there's five. Several I think. more. Yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I stopped after like two. <laughs> well, I mean, the first two are the best too. Let's be honest. Oh, absolutely. So the next day, she's ready to give up, and she's eating at a deli when she spies a knife in the hand of the man next to her. And it's Jordan. <laughs> no, <laughs> that'd be funny, but no. So she's thinking about Cole and his love of having random knives all over his body, which I didn't get really into in the first part. But <laughs> He's a knife kid from, from high school. <laughs> and he, like, he obviously uses them in lieu of a gun because he hated guns. And she wonders if that's a trait that could be passed down to generations. No. Which, no. <laughs> that's not no. I mean, I can't remember. It was a mark or something. Someone had the idea that like, oh, inherited acquired traits can be passed down as a counter to Darwinian evolution to explain how a species change and not like violate any weird religious precepts. But that was pretty quickly disposed of as a nonsense idea. Yeah, it's crazy. There's no, the answer to that is no. But she is like, you know what? What do I have to lose? I'll look into it. Maybe, maybe he's into knives. So she hits the ground, ready to, <laughs> I mean, just let me roll genetic to go, Sam. knives. I didn't know that being a knife kid in high school was genetic. <laughs> now you know. So she hits the ground, ready to find some antique and knife dealers. And luckily, on the very last day, Sam, she finally gets a bit of success in an out-of-the-way, very expensive place with a buzzer on the front door for entry. So on a whim, when the buzz is answered, she tells them that Mr. Jordan is center, and they let her right in. Ooh. So she randomly finds the right place. She obviously looks for, like, many different... She Like, it skips the day, but basically... She, it's a montage scene. Okay. So she montages around some knife places and then finds one that lets her in with Mr. Jordan as yes, the name. Exactly. Great. Cool. Good sleuthing. <laughs> so the owner inside attends to her immediately asking what she can help Mr. Jordan find today. And Mr. Jordan, he buys all my Mr. best butterfly knives. He does all these cool tricks. Soon he's going to do poi. <laughs> I think it's like high-end. <laughs> like antique knives, Sam, not just like. I imagine just like wearing a black trench coat, like like he's a Matrix aficionado. And he like, does wear all black. Yeah, there you go. He's like the nice little like, oh, this is my favorite butterfly knife. I can do this cool stuff. Oh, I cut my hand. Okay, it's still I'm really cool at it. He's like doing like the, the, the no, weird Sammy's tricks. good at everything. Okay, oh, it's just oh, I've got nunchucks too, man. I'm really into nunchucks. Like this is the kind of guy I'm imagining. It's not him. So she tells the owner that she's looking for a gift, and he's all snooty about well, well maybe you should try Bloomingdale's for a tie. And she's like, well, I was just trying to get an idea of what Cole might like, and which for what whatever reason clearly piques the man's interest and there's some commotion at the back of the store so the owner leaves and minutes later an assistant pops out and while he's putting away boxes he whispers to katie that the owner would do anything to find out what the t stands for the the t 
the T. And why? Why does anyone care that much about some guy's middle initial? Well, taking a moment, she realizes obviously it's initials, and so she trades the info for an address. Well, we're going to get into why this happens. <laughs> this is the same Cold T. Jordan, like that the abused son of ruth passes name along down 130 years we'll get there we're gonna get there sam because i don't know i mean maybe i again i can't speak as someone who is a victim of abuse but i would imagine you wouldn't want to pass along your family name given to you by your abuser we're gonna get there sam (laughs) (laughs) okay you're making the story much darker i mean it is dark it's not quite as dark as you're making making it dark you spent like four (laughs) seconds thinking about it like this is awful She locked him in a... She literally imprisoned him for 16 years. (laughs) She did, because there were kidnapping attempts, to be fair. But also, yes. (laughs) So, I mean... No, she she named him after to replace her dead son and the dead son of her I lover. I think it was in honor of them, not like a necessarily a replacement of them. I, I mean, I don't know if it was honor of them or not, Daniel, but there's no way that kid doesn't think he's the replacement. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure. But they don't get into the in-depth uh, psychoanalysis of the guy who, for the great-great-grandson of, like... <laughs> I'm just saying, Cola T. Jordan the 15th or whatever, BS. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get there soon. We do. It does actually comment on the name. Okay, great. I mean, it doesn't explain it in a psychological way, but it does comment as to why they're named the same. Yeah, yeah. Let's just let's go. I'm sure we'll get there, and I'll have plenty <laughs> to say at that point too. So it's a fancy office, and the assistant will not let her pass the desk. Shockingly, because Katie can't explain why this is the last day she has to see him, Sam. <laughs> but is cold there? Uh, she doesn't know. So at so first, why is she trying to butt? Uh, I don't know what's going on. Well, because she showed up and I'm sure the assistant was like, do you have an appointment? And Katie was like, no, but I have to see him. It's the last day. And she's like, yeah, I'm not letting you but in. But she's <laughs> at the knife shop looking for Cole. Well, the guy at the knife shop isn't Cole. He, he doesn't know where Cole is. Like, go to his house. No. So she got, I told you that she traded the the T, the, oh. what the T stood for, for the address of where I, I was Cole too busy was. raving. I didn't hear that. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's what you get when you're raving over my conversation of the actual plot. Sam. You gotta give me. We gotta give me space to rave. That now that's the entire premise of the show. <laughs> I did after I said that, and then you started talking. I assumed you heard it. <laughs> no, not at all. It's not my fault. She got an address to the office. Okay. So what kind of office? It's a big, fancy New York uh, office. And like, does he a real estate broker? What is this like? No. Chris, like- oh, I actually took it out, but I'll mention it now because you asked. She runs into somebody who's like applying for a job while she's waiting in the lobby. And he's like, he's super rich. He buys and sells things like States of the Union. <laughs> States of the Union? <laughs> That's what she. That's what it says in the book. Does that mean literal states like Hawaii, know. or does she mean like stick to the union addresses, like the the notes of the president right, when they get the state of the union address? I don't know, Sam. Like every time I've read that since the very first time I read this in high school, I was like, what the heck does that mean?" Tina, I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions on our author. But is she okay? <laughs> They're fairly super rich, Sam. He just buys and sells stuff. State to the union. Like, if this is a sentence that someone wrote in a book, I'd be like, um, did you forget a noun? <laughs> it was wild. I'm worried about the author. I hope she's okay. I know. She doesn't know what flower tins are either, so we're in trouble. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, apparently he buys, sells. He's super duper rich. Uh, very, very private. Very, very rich. So he's just uh, rich and has an office, but doesn't actually have any business. Well, he has business. I don't know. He buys and sells stuff. So you never quite find out what he does. 
Clearly. So he buys and sells. At first, the receptionist wanted to kick her out, but mysteriously, a phone call occurs and the assistant stops trying to throw her out, but tells her that she can't see him. So she's just waiting in the lobby to see if maybe they'll change their minds. I'm sure that's not going to get her thrown out by security. (laughs) Right. So she decides to write a note to send back to him. She writes, Dear Mr. Jordan, you do not know me, but I would like to talk to you about your grandmother, Ruth, and what happened in Legend. I'm sure he'll love to talk about his abusive... (laughs) Well, is it his grandmother or like great, 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 great? It's like great. Great, great, yeah, yeah, great okay. grandmother. Is he be like, who? How do you even know he has a great, great? I, I'll be honest, I don't know my great, great grandparents' names or whatever. I do, but that's most people don't. So, but uh, anyway, no, how many greats can you go back? Can you go back a hundred years? Uh, what's this year? Yeah, because I would just be my, my great greats. No, no, no. You gotta go. No, my hundred years. My great great grandma was born in like nineteen seventeen yeah. or something. Yeah. So her. No, no. no. Ruth is already a grandmother in 1870. She was born in like 1820. Sure. You'd have to go back another. So it'd be like my great, great, great grandparents. Yeah. You just said 100 years. 100 years is. Well, not, I was rounding. <laughs> so, uh, You're your like grandmother 100 years. years. The grandmother 100 years ago. No, I don't know. I yeah. don't know the names of my great, great, great grandparents, but I do yeah, know my great, don't. great, and my greats. Yeah, well, I'm so proud for you, but most people don't. Right. I agree. Anyway, so she sends a note. The receptionist delivers it. And when the receptionist returns, Katie goes to ask what he said. And apparently he says he knows no Ruth Jordan and has never heard of Legend Colorado. Thank you. I mean, that'd be the right response I would expect from someone who's right. like, what are you talking about? Feeling like she's done her best, Katie asks to use the restroom. Um, the restroom. Katie asks to use the restroom. And the reluctant to let her, the receptionist shows her the way. And inside, as she's about to leave, she suddenly realizes she never she put... She can shimmy through a vent oh my and God, go no. break his Sam, office. it doesn't get that weird. <laughs> I mean, it does, but in different ways. Okay, great. Does she like <laughs> hop on the seat and like weirder. pretend to leave and they go and like, oh, well, she's already left. And then she like sneaks out. <laughs> this is where, like, just after this scene is where the book starts to get super weird. Oh, I'm sorry. This one gets real <laughs> weird. So I actually forgot how weird this book was until I was writing it all down. It was like, man, this book's strange. So she suddenly realizes that she never put Legend Colorado on the note, but that's what he said back to her. So Oh, it's one of those, I never said where Legend was. Yes. And so she knows that he knows something. And that he knows that she knows that he knows that she knows her grandmother that knows the other guy who knows the thing. Exactly that. So instead of returning to the receptionist's desk, she decides to sneak into the other hallways trying to find his office. Yeah, I'm sure like a random woman sneaking around an office would not be unnoticed. Well, apparently it's after hours, like it's just a little bit past five, and so... Not even more noticed! Yeah, so there's nobody in the hallways, so she finds, pretty immediately finds his office, it's like obviously his, and she decides just to walk inside. (laughs) She's the worst! I know. So a man, man is standing inside, dressed all in black. Pulling a sweatshirt over his head. And he and stops. And a knife around. A butterfly <laughs> no. knife. <laughs> we'll get to knives. He stops as she waltzes in and she freezes because only half his face is covered, Sam, like a veil. He is her masked man. Dun, dun, dun. I am Sam's complete lack of surprise. <laughs> He's her Arabian prince. Yay. <laughs> Gonna hate the rest of this. Their story plot's stupid. I mean, I've already hated most of it so far, so why not? <laughs> it's important to note that this is like 60% of the way through the book that she meets this person. I want to be clear, just to say that I am not saying I hate that this book exists, because it sounds like it's a lot of fun, but I definitely hate the characters. Yeah, that's fair. I definitely do not read it for the characters. I read it for the, the rest of... I read it mostly... I mean, the first part's pretty fun, but the second part is bananas, so I mostly read it for the banana second part. <laughs> 
Uh, let's make this banana split, Danielle. Let's go. <laughs> so he finally pulls the sweater down and she gets to see the rest of his face for the very first time. And he's absurdly handsome because, duh, it's a romance novel. <laughs> okay, let's just skip past all the, like, gushy details oh, here. Sam, I skip so much stuff. You're going to be, like, you're going to be so pleased that I don't get into all the details of their stupid relationship. I think Danielle did that self-preservation because you know what my response would be. <laughs> I do say some of it because some of it's relevant. So, but his eyes... Sam, his eyes look as if he has deep pain. A pain so deep, he probably has no idea where it came from. But Katie knows. (laughs) (laughs) Are you trying to make me angry? (laughs) If it makes you feel better, I have like 20 question marks after I wrote that. Because that's like almost a direct quote. And I was like, what does it mean? (laughs) Why is this all purple prosy all of a sudden? (laughs) So funny. So he's like... So, you're Miss Long. Now that you forced your way in here, what is it that you want from me? And she's, like, so astounded by the revelation that she's met her Arabian prince that she has to sit down. And you also get a short glimpse into his head. It's like, that switches to his point and of view. And he's like, she's super cute. Yeah. No, he really thinks that she's hot. <laughs> yeah, I got that, Danielle. That's how these books work. <laughs> but he can't let lust rule his thoughts. And he knew why she was here uh... and what she wanted. <laughs> After all, he thinks, hadn't he known all his life that this day would come? Why did like Ruth pass it? Like, someday we'll a, sh- a, a short, curvy woman will come up to you, and I sent her from the past to your future. I'm telling you, this book gets very weird very fast. Great, okay, let's go. So, also, his wall is full of knives. Apparently, yeah, there they are. What, a, what a weirdo! <laughs> if I was Gabe, I'd be like, I don't care if you're my Arabian prince. I am out, knife boy. No, thank you. <laughs> And her opening words to him are, I met your grandmother. Well, not his grandmother, because it's like several generations removed grandmother. Well, that's what he says. He's like, I doubt that. She died when I was three. And she's like, nah, no, 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 no. The one before you were born. (laughs) She sucks at communicating. (laughs) It's so funny. She knows she sounds crazy, at least. She's just still saying it out loud, which, boy... And he's like, oh, ruthless Ruth, who shut down the entire town and destroyed all their lives. And she feels like super obligated to defend her because she likes Ruth. <laughs> also, calling someone ruthless Ruth is a terrible nickname. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Just call her Ruthless. That's much more interesting. <laughs> well, that's true. That's a good one. It's like how dirty Shirley's the drink should really just be called Shirley Temple Blacks because it's way funnier. Why? Because that's her actual name. Shirley Temple uh. changed her name to Shirley Temple Black when she got married. And so if you're going to like dilute a Shirley Temple with alcohol, you should just call it a Shirley Temple Black because it's much more clever than a Dirty Shirley. <laughs> I mean, but Dirty Shirley at least rhymes. I know, but Shirley Temple Black plays on her name. It's a smarter drink choice, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure about that one, but calling someone Ruthless Ruth is just like a mouthful. <laughs> Anyway, that's her name. It was publicized by like a book that she comes across earlier in the library situation where she like a little novella that came out about the destruction of legend. Oh, okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's her nickname. She's put off by how angry he is and that he doesn't seem to have any sense of who she is because she's dreamed about him her entire life. So she feels like he should at least have some kind of recognition of her. Awfully arrogant, isn't she? (laughs) Well, yeah. And like, yeah, he should be angry. You walked into his office. (laughs) Yeah, she's very entitled. I don't like her. Yeah. And he's like, oh, so you're clairvoyant. Cool, cool. Like, awesome. Got a message from the past. How much do I need to pay you for this message? Like a medium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Katie's all, I don't want your money. I just promised Ruth I'd tell you that she regretted what she had done to her son and wanted to make up for it, but she died too soon. And she'd asked me to find her descendants and contact them, which I've done. So I just wanted to tell you. And he like cuts her off. He's like, you're asking me to believe that you met my long dead grandmother and she just wanted you to come and say hello. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's dumb. It's dumb. (laughs) Agreed. 
Katie kind of annoyed with the way that he's treating her, which I don't know why. I think it's a valid treatment. Yeah, uh, no, you should be, if anything, he should be more annoyed with you and be like, I just get out of my office now, you crazy person, before I yeah. call security. So she smiles sweetly at him and tells him that she not only met his grandmother, but she married her grandson who died when he was nine years old just to mess with him, which is kind of funny. At this point, I'd be like, okay, crazy pants, get out. Yeah. And he's clearly very upset with this, but she's not sure why, like what specifically he's upset by. Maybe the implied pedophilia. <laughs> I don't think that's it. And tells her that no matter how outrageous the story, he's not going to give her any money. And she's she's like stunned that he's so uh, hateful and like in love with his money that he thinks that everybody else would want it too. To be fair, this is very would be like what would be happening in the situation. Like, he, I don't think he's out of line at all. No, I think it's a completely logical thought process if you didn't know who this woman was to think that she somehow wanted money from you. Yeah. She breaks into your office and like tells, tells you stories about like, oh, I know your dead grandmother. She wants you to give me a million dollars kind of thing. <laughs> so feeling compelled for reasons, Katie walks over to his knife case and is like taking a look at them and then just picks one up and throws it at him. <laughs> what is... I... Okay. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> and he catches it in midair and for a moment she kind of like sees Cole, you know, like in him and then it's gone and she tells him that she's given him Ruth's message so she's gonna leave now why why would you even take that risk of throwing a knife at somebody <laughs> I don't know what if she had actually hit him that would have been the end of that story I wish the book <laughs> ended with her killing him and getting arrested <laughs> And he's like, are you sure you're going to leave? I have more knives you can throw. (laughs) I like him. I hate her. (laughs) You're not going to like him later. But yeah, at the beginning, he's totally the logical one. And I'm sure I'm not going to like him later, but like, because every character in this book becomes awful. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The funny part, though, is like with this scene, you're in her head. So you're getting all her like through her viewpoint for the most part that like he's definitely makes more sense than she does. But the book is trying to convince you. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) the book's trying to convince you she's the logical one. You're like, uh, no. <laughs> Anyone who wasn't a moron be like, okay, I can't go in there blathering about time travel. They'll never believe me. That's dumb. I got to find like, oh, I found this old notebook of your grandmother's or something. Yeah. Nope. She doesn't have any backstory. She literally just pops in and is like, so I talked to your grandma. <laughs> She's not very bright. No. So she gets really mad at him with this parting shot and launching into a speech about how wonderful his family was and that those lovely people gave birth to someone like him is disgusting. Someone who only thinks of money and then mutters that she can't believe believe she spent all those years searching for him. Years? Yeah, because of the dream, Sam. Uh-huh. And also, <laughs> lovely people, you mean the manipulative kidnappers. Okay, but and... she doesn't think of them that way, Sam, and neither are you supposed to think of them like that in the book. <laughs> there's no, there's literally no I'm other way to think about them. I'm disagreeing, Sam. I, could, I agree that they no, are manipulative she... kidnappers. <laughs> I can't, I'm not saying she can't think of them that way. I'm saying she's wrong to think of them that way. <laughs> she's objectively wrong. For the point of the plot you can't think of them as manipulative kidnappers <laughs> i'm saying this plot is dumb in that case so as she tries to walk out the door he ends up stopping her asking very no! seriously no, say- no, get rid of her <laughs> he asks her very seriously who ruth's lover was and she's like super freaked out by how close he is because you know love lust fate at first sight but whatever uh... but she answers that it was Tarek, an egyptian man who was the father of cole's friend which is why he has his name and why he's dark when the rest of the family was blonde and then she leaves the office shakily oh so shaky oh shaky you're gonna say something else you'll sound like no. you're deep breathing no. for more no i am i am hyperventilating so i don't just <laughs> like groan throughout the rest of this whole podcast <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't worry, I won't get too much into their love drama. That evening, she returned to her hotel room ready to figure out the rest of her life. She's like done her due diligence. She'd met the, the people. She was going to move on. She's going to go get a job. To be fair, she really had no obligation to do that anyway. <laughs> no, but she, you know, felt obligated. She did it. She's done. So when she gets a call about a delivery down at the front desk, and it's- It's a- Cole with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a forwarded envelope from a friend at home, and it's from a fancy law firm. And to her shock is addressed to Mrs. Cole Jordan. What? You will get there, Sam. <laughs> You're going to hate this too, but we're going to get How there. How did her friends know where she was? Oh my gosh. Okay, the whole plot line, I skipped over a whole bunch of it, but basically... You can't be mad at me if you skip a whole <laughs> plot line. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> it didn't really matter how she got the letter, just that she did get the letter. <laughs> There's a, right. whole, there's a whole plot where, like, her friend tracked her down because she knew that Gregory was, like, up to something because he had flirted with Debbie, the other friend, like, after. But my point is, she only been in New York, like, three days. Like, that's not forward your mail to She called, apparently York. she knew she was in New York, so she, like, tracked, she, like, called half the hotels in New York trying to track her down. And this is the 90s, so, of course, I tell you if you're there. So then once she found out she was there, she sent the envelope, which was apparently hidden in Gregory's drawers in his office because he had been, like, fielding all of the job offers and stuff that any important mail that sure, had come. Sure, sure, sure. My point is, I would not like send a mail. Like It would take three days to get there. Well, she sent the... She sent everything that they found in Gregory's drawers to... But yeah, why not just like hang on to it until she gets back in, I don't in a know, day or two? They, maybe they don't know how long she's going to be there. I don't know, Sam. But they forwarded okay. it to New York. It's only three hours just, away. Okay, great. Yeah, Whatever. Sure the mail travels at the speed of three hours. <laughs> she got it. She got the letter. Because the plot dictates that she gets this letter today, Sam, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that evening, she returns to the hotel. She's got the letter. It's to Mrs. Cole Jordan. And it's a short letter inside from Mr. W. Hartford Fowler IV, requesting that she call him as soon as possible on urgent business. Like, call now. It's super duper urgent. Please call any of these numbers. <laughs> So she calls and she gets a hold of a man who is very excited uh, that she's got a hold of him. And he's like, can you come to New York? And she's like, I'm in New York. And he's like, have you have to see Mr. C.T. Jordan before midnight tonight or the will will be invalid? And she's like, I did see him. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. And the man on the other line seems just ecstatic. He's whooping and he's hollering and he's crying happily. And he asks if she can come in for Let an appointment. Let me tell you, no lawyer is that emotionally invested in their client. <laughs> well, apparently he is. So he asks if she can come in for an appointment and she's like, what for? And he's basically like, I can make all your dreams come true. And she's like, sure, I'll be in tomorrow. <laughs> no questions asked. Like, you can there are very little phone. questions. There are very few questions asked. And after this, she's like, I think I'm going to take a hot bath and get something to eat. And like, she just seems very unconcerned with this like law firm calling her. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So the next day she arrives at the law firm and Mr. Fowler tells her that he's never had a client who he's been more curious about because he wants to know what her connection is to someone who was dead a hundred years and which she won't tell him, obviously. And he hands her over a packet of paper, which she knows instantly are from Ruth. She can just tell. Yes, so, of course she can. Well, it's ancient paper and it's all wrapped prettily. Essentially, it tells her that if she's reading the letter, she succeeded in the six weeks she'd given Katie to, to meet up with her descendants. And she knew if she took longer than six weeks, then she didn't have the love or passion needed to help them. Which seems a really arbitrary deadline. It is. Also, assuming that she went back on some ex date. And did she ever tell them what date she left on? Yeah, she does tell them that okay so that's what they do six weeks from that date yeah but assuming like you're assuming that they even return back on the same day yeah like you don't know how time travel works yeah it could be years later who knows right then to your wheels you can return it was already expired so 
She figured six weeks was enough to know she wasn't in love with Gregory and to contact her descendants, which, you know. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knew she wasn't in love with Gregory except her. Also, FYI, the most important bit, Sam, is that she now has control over her entire family's wealth. Oh, uh, so that means she has control over C.T. Jordan, too, then. Yeah, because she apparently because Ruth trusts her and thinks she can right a horrible wrong and money will give her the power to do it. That's also very dumb. I know. Don't give all your money and power over your descendants hundreds of years in the future who may or may not be in completely different situations, may not even have the wealth anymore without like, oh, this is all Well, she does stupid. mention that. Like, I don't know if I left you anything, but knowing my, you know, my, my son and my descendants that exist so far and my previous family, chances are you have a lot of money. Very stupid. It is. Basically, she wants like, because so many generations suffered because of the, the wrongs that happened in the town, she's hoping she can somehow remedy the past. Uh, she was like, no idea how you can help, but that's why I gave you a lot of money. Good luck out there. <laughs> why is Katie so responsible for all these people? These strangers. I mean, she kind of goes back and forth during the story about whether or not she should take responsibility for these people, but ultimately just kind of feels like if she's somehow caught up in this time traveling drama that she owes them somehow, or at least owes them an attempt. Maybe this makes me a bad person, Danielle, but if it was me, I'd just like take them, I'd be like, see ya. Like, I did my thing, I contacted them, I did the time travel, I'll give some money back to Cole, like, I'm not gonna leave him destitute or anything, but I would take a good chunk for myself and be like, time to open some restaurants and fulfill my dreams. I don't have any obligation to these weird strangers who are awful people. And she says in the note that, like, maybe that's what you're gonna do, but, you know, I have faith that you're a better person than that. <laughs> yeah, but you're Sam's not very good not people. Everybody. I don't, your grandson kidnapped me. I owe nothing to you people. <laughs> But she doesn't think of it that way. So just not that she, I don't think she feels like she owes them, but I think she feels like because she's wrapped up in all of this, it's like her uni universe honor. Like she needs to somehow, like if she can help resolve it for this family that she should, not that she's necessarily indebted to them in any way. Fine. I think she's just trying to be a nice human being, Sam. Yeah, but I mean, she could donate that money to charity then or something. Set up like a, a fund to help people. She doesn't have to untangle one family's drama as her debt to the universe. <laughs> well, that's what she thinks. So that's what she's going to do. She asks the lawyer if C.T. Jordan knows everything, and apparently yes, which explains why he was so pissed off at her earlier, understandably. Because once she saw him, she, yeah. he lost his fortune, yeah. So she decides that she definitely has to help because fate, and she needs Tarek's help, as she calls him. I guess di differentiating him between <laughs> Cole. <laughs> Yeah, but like maybe call him what he wants to be called. Well, apparently she calls him Tarek. I don't know why she needs his help. It's not ever made clear in the story. She just feels like she needs his help to make this happen. So she asks the lawyer to drop a document to kind of like blackmail Tarek into helping her. Essentially, like, I'll give everything back minus any costs if you help me out. Like, I don't want your money. That's more of a bribe than blackmail, I think. Okay, fine. A bribe. She, <laughs> the, the term is blackmail in the book. Bribe is fine. <laughs> I'm just saying, she's not like saying, I'll expose your dirty secret in life, boy, <laughs> if you true. don't do this for me. <laughs> she doesn't say that. She just says, I'll give you the money back if you help me. So cut to a few days later. She's in the backwoods of Colorado, driving a Range Rover, contemplating all the bad decisions she's made already in life. <laughs> um, there's a lot to contemplate. I know. So Fowler had filled her in on some details. Tarek's apparently unmarried, though he has a girlfriend. He's very, very private. He's super into his swords. He's the ma a master of all forms of <laughs> into his sword. Go figure. <laughs> he's super into the stars and he's a master of all forms of martial arts. 
Sam. All, all of them. martial arts. So Chinese martial arts, South American martial arts, all Japanese martial arts, Korean martial arts. You know, even like boxing, American martial arts, and and I you know, European martial like everything. Yeah, it says all forms of martial arts. Kangaroo in the martial arts. And I capitalized all in my notes because it amused me. Um, apparently, he's not very close to his well, family. Well, he's perfect, of course. Yeah. He was raised by nannies, etc. His usual sad, rich childhood. Yeah, so sad. So first, before all this happens, she shows up at his apartment, one of the apartments he owns in the city, kind of assuming he wasn't there because, I don't know. And she just like decides, well, I own it, so I'm just going to walk in. So she walks into the apartment and she just wanders around the house until she accidentally runs into Tarek, of course, coming out of the shower. Of course, come out of the shower, but also, no. I know. If, Why would if, you, if just you walk own in? a place, you can't just walk in. Like, if you rent an apartment from somebody, they can't just walk into your apartment whenever they want to, even though they own it. Like, <laughs> agreed. And she, she does say, to be fair, in her flashback, her thoughts about the flashback of all these bad choices she'd made, she's like, uh, I was really full of myself and I probably shouldn't have done any of these things. <laughs> well, at least she learned eventually how terrible she is. <laughs> so she just walks in. She runs into the shower and he sassily asks if she would like to join him in the shower and she flees to the living room. <laughs> the answer, of course, is yes, please. <laughs> I mean, he is really hot. When he finally appears, she tells him her plan, which is to give the money if he'll help. And he's, I think, reasonably, continues to be reasonably sassy, basically finally telling her that when you grow up your whole life hearing that all your hard work, it doesn't matter how hard you work, all of this is going to go be turned over to some stranger. It makes you curious about her. And they've been watching her basically her whole life. Sure. And she tells him her plan, which apparently is to go back to legend and find a way back to 1873. <laughs> Why not go back to your apartment? Or wherever, where you have the dress portal opened. Well, apparently that's not going to work. She wants to go specifically to the petroglyph rocks because she thinks she can get in there for reasons. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because it's it's worked that way before where she's gone <laughs> in the same place she's come out of. Well, to be fair, she's been in her apartment six weeks and has not, the portal has not opened up. <laughs> has she put the dress back on? She doesn't have the dress. It's back well, in. Well, it's her first mistake. <laughs> And he makes a lot of fun of her because, I mean, if somebody just came to you and said, hey, I need to help getting back to 1873, you too would probably make fun of them. I mean, I already am. <laughs> so she gets pretty furious at him and tells him that her life has changed, which is fair. His, her life's changed because of his family, not because she wanted it to change. Um, and she got a letter begging her from the grave for help. So she intends to honor it as best as she can. And if he wants the money back, he can help her basically take it or leave it. Mm hmm. And he pulls out his keys, puts them on the counter, and leaves. <laughs> so he leaves. Good. It. Yeah. I mean, if I were him, be like, I don't want anything to do with you, crazy lady. Uh, she comes to her senses quickly, realizing she's been a little bit of a jerk, and that Ruth didn't ask her to help to make all her descendants help. You know, she just asked for Katie's help, so Katie should get on it. And she immediately tells Fowler that she wants to give everything back except the town of legend and some money to cover her costs. And Can she I, put that in writing? Because if is. I were him, I'd be like, BS. Right. So she's that's Fowler is the lawyer. So she asked him to drop a document. Oh, so okay. she gets she gets the document. And as she's like reviewing it, a server shows up at her hotel door and C.T. Jordan is suing her for all the money. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I would contest the will too, because yeah. it's a nonsense will. Yeah, it is. Just take a moment here to say how nonsense that will is. You can't will control of your children. Like a like hundred years in the future, I'm going to change the money. But that's not how wills work. They're not magic documents. So you can declare any nonsense you want and it has to be followed. 
Well, and crazily, because I kind of go over the well just a little bit in the story, it's like a woman is going to be born in 19-whatever, 73, and blah, 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 named this, and she's going to have control over the wealth. Come. That's not how it works. You can't will someone to a non-existent person. That will be thrown out immediately. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy will, but I don't know if they knew that in the 1800s. Like, like we have a different kind of... More I, strict again, law than we did then. <laughs> it wouldn't help. It wouldn't hold up now. That's the point. Like you know, Jordan suing her is absolutely going to win, right? Which we kind of get into in a little bit here. So she finds out that Tarek has another apartment in the city and heads out there. She ends up waking him up, and he's you know in his bathroom with the door. And she holds she holds up his paperwork and her own documents, saying basically like if you had the courtesy to call me instead of sending a process server, you'd realize that I'm already given the money back. I am signing. I already signed the paperwork, and here it is. <laughs> And they're interrupted by a tall, thin, beautiful woman in a bathrobe, of course. Of course. Calling for him, and she heads to the door and asks if this is the little cook he told her about. Maybe she'd want to work in the kitchen with Pierre. <laughs> Maybe they like to work in the bedroom with us. Ooh. And Katie feels betrayed for some reason. Why? Because <laughs> she's owed nothing to her. Because she's known him and known him her entire life. She she's known him for two days. She's I known, know. Oh, she's a uh, no. <laughs> she knows it's a like crazy reaction, but she hands him the papers quietly and tells him that she's glad she gave him some amusement and he calls after her, but she leaves. And now again, if anyone in this book had any sense, he would let her go and be done with it. Like, she's done. I'm washing my hands of her. Okay, yeah. None of that happens to him. <laughs> I know, because no one in this book makes any sense. So that's how she found herself in the Range Rover in Legend, Colorado. <laughs> I got it. She somehow immediately gets the, her car stuck in the road and she can't get it out. And so she, she gets out of the car. She's trying to see what's going on, you know, if there's any way to get her car out of the rut that she's in and suddenly a shot rings out and she looks around her certain for a minute that she has gone back through time and is back in the 1870s with her range rover it's like a delorean <laughs> but better and then another shot rings out and then another one almost hitting her and she realizes no she has not traveled through time someone's just shooting at her why <laughs> we'll get there sort of this is where the story starts to go crazy Oh, I thought we already passed that. Oh, we did. Like, it was basically when the will happened. But this also gets particularly weird. So paralyzed, because she's not sure which direction the, the gunshots are coming from. She doesn't move, and she suddenly hears horses' hooves and sees a man on a white horse thundering toward her. And he, as he comes by her, he reaches out and slows down, and she grabs hold of his hand and, and goes back up on the back of the horse, and the horse gallops off. So modern-day Colorado isn't the Old West. <laughs> <laughs> So they make it out of harm's way, and the man turns to look at her, and obviously, Sam, it's Tarek. Tarek. <laughs> <sighs> okay, sure. Why not? I would have liked if it wasn't Tarek, though. If it was just some, like, fourth love interest or something. <laughs> I don't care who it was. It's all dumb. Why is someone shooting at her? Why is he there? Why is he on a horse? And how can the horse keep up with the Range Rover? Uh, I mean, it didn't. It was just, he was on the property already. So he's mad at her, asking if she has any sense at all. Because uh, no. if he hadn't come along when he did, she'd be dead. And Hannibal would have shot her, which apparently is the person who was shooting. And she's also mad back, asking why in the world he would come. And did he want all of the money? Was what she took too much of his money? And, did, and he tells her that he came to save her neck because he knew she was going to get in trouble. And didn't she see all the no trespassing signs? Apparently she can't read. Well, she's like, I own the town. What do I care? Yeah, they don't know that. <laughs> like, you can say it all you want. If you walk into some town, like, I own the town. Like, who the hell are you? <laughs> 
And also, she wants to know who Hannibal is. So apparently, he's the dude, the guy, his uncle, that has a 99-year lease on the place. So uh, unless she wants to wait it out, she does not own the town, as in she can't be there whenever she wants to be. <laughs> when was the lease established? Uh, like 10 years ago or something. Okay. But he's like, oh, wait, you're a time traveler. Time doesn't mean anything to you. Why don't you just pop in and out and go <laughs> figure it out? <laughs> I like him. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not going to like him, but I like his his treatment of Katie in the moment, calling her on hold BS. Yeah, he does that a lot. So she jumps off the horse and stalks off, telling him he's the most unpleasant, unreasonable, horrible man that she's ever met. She'd oh. rather take her chances with Hannibal than him. <laughs> okay. She gets shot. The end. Yeah, I know. He tries to convince her otherwise. Like, you're going to get hurt. She's like, no, I'm fine. And she leaves. <laughs> How does she learn this from the first Cole when she got stranded uh, when she got stranded Cole. in the town the first time like does she not have the ability to learn well I mean this town's different there's nobody there except Hannibal and them okay so she makes it back to the car but it's been stripped tires are gone all the traveling equipment oh yeah because in Colorado you really want to strip the tires off like, this is just like some TV description of East Harlem <laughs> we'll get there Sam <laughs> so Tarek shows up asking her if she wants to go back to civilization yet and she's like I can't give up like i can't i have to stay here no you and don't you can give up it's fine no one's gonna care <laughs> she doesn't she tries later but she doesn't yet she's like refusing to cry in front of him even though she's all put out about it and to her surprise he's nice enough about it asking if he wants to go back if she wants to go back to his camp that he set up a few miles away and she seems a little skittish about being with him i guess and he reminds he's like i have a girlfriend her name's leone i'm like not after your body i just have a business deal i'd like to work out since since we're Except here he absolutely is yeah, yeah but we'll get there sam <laughs> So he has a business deal that he wants to work out with her because apparently Ruth left a codicil into her will. A what? A codicil. Like a an codicil. addendum. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so back at camp, he explains that the codicil said that no Jordan can accept the money back from her for three years if Cole what? Jordan. This will is bull. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> It's, no, the, that will is the biggest BS I've ever heard. A will isn't a magic document you can just declare to have things happen. Like, they, I knew you'd love this will. Ugh, the will is utter nonsense. It would never be enforceable. It would be like no one would ever enforce it. it she gets nothing. He keeps some money and nothing changes. Yeah, it delighted me to write down all the will stuff because I knew that you would hate it. <laughs> I just wish the author had spent even like... 30 seconds researching how wills work. You'll get there. We'll get Sam. We do talk about it a little more, I promise. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the will is bananas, and so is the codicil. And basically, it's only in place if Cole Jordan, born in 1864, dies at, the, at nine years of age, which in this timeline, he has died at nine years of age. Okay. Uh, which, which is a little confusing because remember earlier when she said that uh, Maiden Mine was never found, so she wondered if Cole would live past the age of nine. He didn't. But, but he didn't. And also the bank robber, that remember the one that Cole killed when he was a ghost? That yeah, guy's still, still dead. dead? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so, so it's like this weird mix of time stuff. <laughs> so this book has just no rule. Nothing matters, <laughs> and the characters are terrible, and I don't know why we're talking about it. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's like weird time loops in time loops. So so Great. he's basically like, 
So we're kind of in this dilemma because like I need to like pay people that work for me. I own a giant corporation and you want to give the money back and need some help. So I thought maybe we could just like work together, you know? (laughs) He didn't figure this out before he sued her. (laughs) That's what I like. I was literally, they really never mentioned that in the story. I'm like, he could have just said yes in the beginning. Like he knew about the codicil. Like if he knew he couldn't take the money back from her when he found out that she was giving the money back, he could have just contacted her and said, yes, I will help you out. I can't take the money back. (laughs) Also, you don't have to take the money back. She could set up a trust administered by you, for instance. You're not taking the money back. You're just administering a trust of her money. I don't think she uh, knows enough to have solved this problem. No, but he, who has been expecting this her whole life, could have figured that out. Or any of the lawyers they have clearly could have figured any of this out. And I think he has other uh, things that he wants out of this relationship. No kidding. But I'm saying, like, the solution here is obvious. (laughs) I think he's hoping she's not going to think of any of those things. Good thing he's not wooing you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, because if he was wooing me, I'd be angry at how dumb he is and how he doesn't think about any of the obvious solutions. (laughs) And then the rest of this plot wouldn't happen. So he asks her to tell her her what happened in Legend. She's like, no, you don't believe me. I'm not going to tell you. And she kind of like storms off again. It's kind of her MO. She likes to do that. And he stops her by telling her that he's sorry that he's been so difficult. But as a child, he was basically raised from a child on to like hate her. You know, that this promo woman was going to come in and complicate all of their money issues. Although, again, not actually a problem. (laughs) Right. So he wants to start over. And Hannibal is his uncle and knows him so he could barter an introduction and and get them onto the property. His uncle and he knows him. Like, why? I don't know. I don't care. Let's go. (laughs) Katie asks him if he knows where the petroglyphs are. And he does. And she agrees to work with him. And they have a fairly civil conversation over dinner, mostly about why he sued her. And if Leone, that's his girlfriend, would have kept the money, which is yes. And also it's his fiance. He's marrying Leone. Also, why is she trying to like dismantle his relationship? Like, she's awful. I, I get she has mega hots for him and everything, but like to come in to someone else's relationship and be like, oh, you're dating this person. All I know about her is that she's tall and thin and pretty and therefore I hate her. And like I trying to break them up is not, you're not a good person. <laughs> I don't think he's, she's trying to break him up. She was just asking about her. In fact, she goes like, there's a couple of times in the story where she kind of pushes him away because he's dating somebody. Yeah, but you, I, I get it, Danielle. And at this point, I know she's not breaking up, but we know it's going there. Well, yeah, sort of. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. So the next day, he's all smiles and he asks her if she wants to take the day off and play hooky, explore the area. And t- he wants to take her to a place that play he used to go to. from lo- what? What are they from, doing? From the plot, the, the plot, Sam, <laughs> from, from trying to find the, find the petroglyphs or whatever. Can we not go through the hooky? Can we just skip that and get back to the plot? <laughs> I'll skip over. There's some nice conversational flirty moments. I'll skip over all that, Sam. I mean, you're doing yourself a favor there because you won't (laughs) have to hear me whine about it. The next morning, he takes her to see Hannibal and he immediately introduces her as his wife, which she balks at as one would. (laughs) What? (laughs) Good times. (laughs) Hannibal tells them her driver's license has the name Long on it, which is her last name. Did he steal the driver's license from her purse? She left in the car or something? Yeah, he took it from the car. Um, and since it's the 90s, I guess I can't just say, you know, she didn't change her name. <laughs> she didn't take mine. 
It's and, an out of date license. Yeah, and Tarek is like, "Well, I have the I have the marriage certificate to prove it." And to her amazement, he pulls out the license from her marriage to Cole and hands it off to Hannibal. And she's like, "That license says 1873 on it." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, that's not gonna work. And Tarek brushes it off as like a computer error. She's like, "It's handwritten," and and he's like, "Yeah, our font's amazing these days." Like, and and Hannibal's kind of like an old non computery person, so he just takes it at face value. No, that I wouldn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, Sam. He explains to Hannibal, he's like, I'm sorry, we had a fight, you know, before we came here. That's why she's being so difficult. And then he says pointedly to her, like, Uncle Hannibal's being super kind, letting us stay here on the old Jordan homestead. And, and as you know, we can't stay here unless we're married because he doesn't believe in sin. <laughs> This she is gets so it. contrived. She gets it. It's totally contrived. Yeah. <laughs> so Katie catches on, obviously. And when Hannibal leaves uh, them, B, she asks why he didn't warn her that his uncle was like super crazy. And he's like, You thought a sane person shot at you? <laughs> That's a fair point. But also, you could have told her more what the plan was. Yeah, and he ignores her entirely about having the marriage certificate handy, because that's a weird thing to carry around on your body. Well, I mean, if you had this whole plan from the start, then it isn't, but still. Yeah. So th- apparently the town's fallen into disrepair, a uh, town of legend, and she finds herself telling Tarek about how the town was when she was there, when he asks, even though she knows he doesn't really believe her. And she kind of gets mad towards the end when she's pointing everything out, because she kind of senses his pity that he thinks that she's a little crazy. Yeah, he- no kidding. And he points out that, like, well, it doesn't matter if I believe you. I'm, like, empathetic that this place upsets you. And, you know, I'm happy to take you back to Denver or New York or whatever. We don't have to look for the portal or whatever. We could work together for the next three years until the codicil expires. I still think the trust is the way to go. I agree with you, Sam. But here we are. So she refuses to leave, obviously. And they walk out to the hanging tree together. Oh, Um, the hanging tree. I know. The famous hanging tree. But she's forgotten that on the way to the hanging tree is the graveyard. And she kind of like balks when she sees it. She's like, I don't want to go past the graveyard. And Tarek forces her into it, telling her that he wants her to recognize the difference between the living and the dead. And that she was never married to Cole Jordan because he died many, many years ago. And those marriage certificate you brought out means what? <laughs> Nothing, apparently. He's not internally. None of these characters are internally consistent. This book isn't internally consistent. No. And what's crazy is like, he's known that this like, apparently the psychic will exist, but the easiest solution is that she must be lying. Like, I don't, you'd almost believe, like, okay, maybe time travel really did happen somehow. (laughs) It's just, everyone's making the worst decisions. This is frustrating. (laughs) Like, I'd be fine if there was any kind of through logic or consistency to ground. Like, I'm not saying a book has to make perfect sense, so that has to be totally logically consistent, but, like, this sets up these expectations and rules for itself that it immediately breaks. You're like, well, then, I have no investment because nothing matters. (laughs) Yeah, the rules don't really, don't stay consistent through the story. When that happens, there are no stakes to the story because, like, it's hard to be invested in a story where there's like, oh, someone's just going to do something magical and it's going to fix everything. So I don't really care about their their problems or their, you know, struggle because it's not a struggle. It's just going to have a hand-wavy solution. It is. Yeah. So, like, it makes it very hard to care. It does. I agree. <laughs> However, and yet you've read care it three a little times. bit longer. <laughs> Maybe more, Sam. I don't know how many times I've read this book. See, like, I, I I care because it's funny to hear you try to justify this book I'm to me. I'm not really like, justifying it. I think there's a lot of things wrong with this book, but it's like comfort food book. Okay. So, like, you know hey, that- Are we do ambrosia salad again? Yeah, there's not, there's not a lot. I don't like ambrosia salad. There's not a lot of, like, justification in eating too much fried chicken, but you eat it anyway. <laughs> like, I mean, you got a fair point there, Daniel. I can't argue with that. So, this is like the fried chicken of books for me. <laughs> Fair enough. 
<laughs> and it's not the characters. Like, I, I think they're all kind of terrible. It's just, like, the, especially this next little section of, like, Bananas plotline that's happening. On. How, right. how this well, all resolves is just stop, crazy. Stop teasing and get to it. <laughs> well, you keep questioning all of the, the character choices, Sam. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me be quiet for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> So she gets mad at him and she runs off. She's like, you don't know anything. And she runs off and finds the petroglyphs on her own. But the door doesn't open as she stands there. It's just a rock wall. Yeah, why would it? <laughs> so Tarek shows up and can tell that she's obviously super upset and comforts her. And then they make out for reasons. I don't know, Sam. <laughs> I guess caves are sexy. They're not even in a cave. They're just like in front of a walk, rock wall. <laughs> okay, I guess rock walls are petroglyphs are sexy, Danielle. Let's they just are. go with it. So as they're making out, Katie's back to the rock. Tarek happens to glance up. And to his surprise, the portal has opened. Yay. Ah! Why? Because <laughs> the portal has a mind of its own, Sam, as we'll see. <laughs> okay. He suddenly realizes that everything she said is true, and now he's feeling like super overprotective of her now that they've Why? made out. Because <laughs> he loves her, Sam. Loves her. Okay. <laughs> Katie senses something's wrong or going on, and she assumes immediately the door has opened, but before it closes before she can see it. She turns around and it snaps shut. What, and... a, what a jerk door. I know. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, the door didn't open. Nothing happened. I don't. And in his weird, overdeveloped sense of machismo, he like, Gets her angry so that she'll storm off. Question. Um, but while they're, why yes. is he feeling like, why is protecting not like, her whole purpose is to find the door. Why is it like, oh, I have to protect her from doing what her whole purpose is? I think he just, uh, well, we'll get into that in just a little bit. He's a, uh, to spoil a little bit of it, he's a little bit concerned with the fact that like all his relatives died with bullets and like what's her big plan to like walk in and stop the shooting? Like how is she supposed to do that without getting hurt? So when he sees the I door mean, open and realizes his story, his story is real, she, he gets like overprotective of her. So this is my problem with time travel stories because, you know, she has access to modern technology she could do a million bring a million things back with her that would solve the problem instantly yes but <laughs> or she could just tell them to <laughs> hey hey when the bank robbers take the money let them go yeah okay we're gonna get into it because there are some complications as to why she can't just walk into town and tell somebody that there's a bank robbery going on sure is it there is <laughs> I mean, yeah i bet there is danielle <laughs> I bet it's contrived nonsense, did, too. The book did try to, like, you know, do its best <laughs> to explain some of your concerns, Sam. Well, I can't wait to have all my concerns addressed. Anyway, while this is happening, they're immediately interrupted by a huge motorcycle showing up next to them. And the yes, motorcycles climb the cliffs in Colorado. It does, it does. The rider's dressed all in black, and they dismount, and they take off their helmet, and it's a woman with a yard of red hair that spills from her helmet. And she walks up to Tarek and immediately kisses him full on the lips and is like i knew as soon as i sent you that fax that you'd come for me who's this <laughs> so how many women does Tarek have strung across this great nation of ours <laughs> we'll get there so he introduces her as wendell his cousin <laughs> uh-huh and wendell puts up with this <laughs> and wendell's all like this doesn't look like your type at all are your standards slipping because she you know is affronted by katie's presence and not feeling at all intimidated by her katie steps up and corrects Tarek, saying uh, oh i'm actually i'm katie jordan i'm his wife and we're on our honeymoon which shocks her a bit but then invites him along to the house when he's done catching up which amuses him a lot why is katie suddenly feeling competitive over this jerk that she doesn't like presumably 
Uh, you mean over Wendell? No, over Terry. Oh, because she kind of likes him. I mean, it is the man from her dreams. Yeah, but he's already shown himself to be a cheating cat who will cheat on his current girlfriend uh, at least once, maybe several times it over. It never comes up like, oh, you cheated on your girlfriend. <laughs> and you have this other cousin who you're clearly cheating with too. And if it is really your cousin, that's even worse. Yeah, they never fully explain the cousin part of the story, to be honest. I've always thought that was weird. But he's not cheating with the cousin. He just, she just has designs on him a little bit. So the cousin has a hot for him and kisses him full on the lips and he's okay with that. Uh, apparently it's just her style. She's a weird character. Like, all the characters you meet from here on out are weird characters. <laughs> if I was Katie, I'd be like, I want no part of this. <laughs> like, your family's odd. I'm going out. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, no. You make out with your cousins. You're cheating your girlfriend. <laughs> I don't want any part of you. Like, this is her. She hasn't learned a dang thing from the time she first stepped through the portal and dated Jordan the first after kidnapping her or <laughs> Gregory after treating her like she's just these men treat all the women of their lives terrible but I'm sure they'll treat me well <laughs> yep here we are Sam <laughs> worst <laughs> so she heads back to the house where she's pondering out loud who, who does the cooking and to her surprise a voice answers her whoever is hungry first and it's a young man wearing only overalls who looks suspiciously like little Abner the book is very clear about this <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> and he appears, and he's clearly related to Cole in some aspect. Like, he just looks a lot well, like Well, he already has one makeup cousin. Why not two? <laughs> I know. And he's apparently Luke, Wendell's brother. Luke asks who she is, very interested in her, you know, physically. And Tarek appears and is like, you know, get your hands off my woman kind of nonsense. And How have- is she like the hottest person everyone in this book has ever seen? Because that's how romance books, especially these types, work, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. All right. And this is why I don't read them. <laughs> I mean, some are much better than this. <laughs> I wouldn't put this as, like, the epitome of all romance novels. <laughs> sure, okay. I mean, they could have had a big group orgy, I suppose, but they don't. I mean, that'd be more interesting than what does happen, I bet. It would be. So Tarek appears, and then they have, like, a, you know, a man fight out on the front yard over her, and she realizes it's all for show, so she wanders off to go find some food. But I mean show, like, they're just, you know, posturing, or they're like, They're beating it... each other up for fun kind of thing. Oh, okay. Like, uh, I thought she was like, they're putting on a show for me to, like, convince me about, like, his series or something no okay no, they're just fighting over him and they're kind of then they start to laugh about it but they're fighting and so she realizes that they're not really in a fight so she leaves okay sure so Tarek finally wanders in and tells her not to mind wendell that she's always been that way since she was a kid and he wanders off again to go that, look at i wouldn't mind that <laughs> Same, like, i still someone, mind it <laughs> yeah like again just because someone has always been creepy or weird or inappropriate doesn't just mean that oh that means it's okay that's not an, an excuse it's not. That just means no one's bothered to correct that behavior their whole life. Which they should with Wendell. Yeah. So as dinner prep wraps up, the family starts to come to the house, and she can tell by the looks that Wendell's giving Tarek that they clearly did not spend the afternoon together. And Tarek's pretty dirty with like mud all over his shoes and stuff, and she's wondering where he's been. Give you one guess, Sam. Is he digging up graves? Yes. How <laughs> did you know? <laughs> Plot twist, I have to get the body of Cole out of the grave and Ruth. And reanimate it, <laughs> like re-animate Dr. It. Frankenstein style. I did say this book gets really weird in the end. It's because there's zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that, Danielle. This only turned into like, oh, uh, by the way, the apocalypse is starting. Good luck, guys. Or the rapture or something. Yeah, no. In the last 50 pages of this book. 
So dinner is a success, of course, because she cooked it. And she's she, amazing and, and perfect. She is. And as she heads to bed, Wendell suggests that Tarek and she are usually just about getting started this time of night. And Tarek very guiltily says that he's he's got to stay downstairs for a while. He has something he has to take care of. And she's like, whatever, do your thing with Wendell. I don't care. So wait, Wendell is suggesting that her and Tarek usually start doing something at this time. Yeah. Hanging out, making out. Who knows, Sam? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd be like... This weird incestuous family, I am out. <laughs> I don't think they're really incestuous. I think a Wendell just, I'm not even sure they're really like first cousins or anything. It sounds more like they're, you know, distantly related kind of thing. But they never I make mean, that clear. I don't care. It's less relevant whether or not it's actually happening. That There's this dynamic in the family and nobody seems to care. Yeah, there's a dynamic and nobody seems to care. Creepy. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, that's cool. I mean, like, I'm not here to judge of what you guys want to do, but I don't want to be a part of it. And that's yeah, fine. It gets progressive. It, it ramps up quickly because she's basically like, go do whatever you want. Play with your cousin. Maybe Leone's coming in for the night. And he ends up kissing her to make her stop talking. And no, he, I know. And he tells her that she knows as well as he does does that they're somehow meant for each other destined if she likes and since the first day he saw her he knew he loved her and he thinks they loved each other before they even met which yes all their other partners can go hang (laughs) and she's like that's ridiculous get off of me Which is the right response. It's the first time she's ever said anything reasonable in her life, and I'm sure she will immediately backtrack on <laughs> Pretty it Pretty quickly, yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and he's like, you don't have to tell me you love me, I'll earn your trust. And she's like, in what woman's bed? What about your engagement? Like, you just literally are yeah. surveying somebody. And he admits that he broke up with Leone the day that she brought him the lawsuit papers, but for some reason did not tell her that, and she does not believe him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't believe him either. And that uh, they hardly know each other. He can't be in love with her. And that he only came because of Ruth's codicil. And then he tells her that there is no codicil. Great. All these wonderful, lying, manipulative men. How can you not love them? I know. When I was writing this, I knew you'd love this. That It's another lying, manipulative person. Because what? Like, what's, as I said earlier, what was the point of the codicil to begin with? Because he could have just said, I, I'll help you. Yeah. And, like, been able to hang out with her. And instead, he invents an entire codicil to, like, show up. So well, I mean, it feels again like it's trying to be almost like you know the the quote unquote pickup artist thing where you're trying to manipulate <laughs> somebody to like you have power in the relationship by like saying like oh you don't want to be there but I guess I'll come along and then you'll find yourself alone with me so you'll be the one coming after me not vice versa except that he goes after her in the end well but he he goes there but he's like I didn't want to come here I had to come here because of the codicil and then you know so it feels very like mind gamey is all I'm saying it's super weird I've never yeah. understood why he didn't just agree to go with her in the first place since yeah. she asked him and then he it shows just, up anyway. It makes sense. I'm just saying like whatever reason he would have to do it this way cannot be a good reason. Yeah. So he never explains why he did that other than he he said he needed a reason to come which he didn't and that Ruth just left him a note asking him to help get her get Cole to live past age nine. Sure. Okay. And this is where he explains that he doesn't want to do that because his ancestors were killed in a gunfight and he doesn't want her to die too. And also of note the will is unlikely to hold up in court. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. And they've been like preparing for that this entire time. Like they So why really... were they spying on her her whole life? All they had to do was get the will nullified, you know, decades ago. <laughs> Just in case it became an issue. Who knows? I mean, once the will is nullified, it's it moot. I don't think it's nullified. I think it's just like they, they will take her to court. <laughs> I'm just saying they could have had the will like rendered pointless. Yes, I don't, they I, I'm done not that a lawyer. I don't know what the words are, but like they could have you know, nipped this in the bud 
literally a hundred years ago after it was written. <laughs> yes, agreed. But here we are. And he does say something along the lines of like, you people really don't understand how wills work. Like this is obviously never going to hold up in court. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so Tarek does, he does a lot of terrible things, but at least he makes sense sometimes. <laughs> Yo, sometimes, sure. So he meets up with Luke downstairs. You know, she goes off to bed. He meets up with Luke downstairs and asks him to go with him. He says he's found a portal through time. And Luke is like, sure, yeah, I'll go with you. Why not? <laughs> Luke's a lawyer, and he apparently... Luke's a lawyer. He's yeah, a lawyer law school. He's in law school. Um, okay. And he listened Overall to lawyers. most of the conversation uh, that was happening, like, on the stairway, and he's surprised to find that Tarek actually does like Katie, because he didn't believe their marriage story for a minute, but apparently, like, he gets the sense that Tarek actually likes Katie. Sure. He yeah, okay. I mean, destiny, whatever. Right. And this is the best part. Tarek asks Luke if there's a way to get rid of Wendell for the night so she doesn't follow them. And I have no idea what that means because it's never really discussed, but it's suggested that they drug her, uh, which is awful. <laughs> also, what do they have against Wendell? Uh, they don't want her to follow them through the time portal because she'd be crazy at a time portal. Can you I imagine mean, her? I, uh, I don't know. I can't imagine any of these people would do anything less than catastrophic damage to the timeline. <laughs> well, especially Wendell on her giant like Harley motorcycle and her all her leather gear. <laughs> I mean, sure, but I don't think Turk or Overall McGee here is going to do any better. <laughs> no. But I call him Tarek. Uh, Tarek and Overall <laughs> McGee. <laughs> anyway, he shows up later in bed, filthy, and he falls asleep instantly. And Katie's like, what the heck? <laughs> Why is he in her bed? <laughs> because they have to share a room because there's only so many rooms in the Jordan homestead and they're supposedly married, remember? Uh, okay. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. They don't do anything. I know, but I'm still annoyed. <laughs> So the next morning, she sets off on her own and ends up coming across Cole's cabin, the one that she was in before she got moved to the estate. It's all been like remodernized and all of that. And so she hits it just as a rainstorm appears. So she's stuck inside. And Tarek arrives a bit later and he's like furious that she disappeared without telling anyone where she was going. I'm sure because he thought that she had gone to the time time portal. Yeah. Also, she owes nothing to him. (laughs) No. And he, she says that like, like, I can go anywhere I want. You can't stop me. (laughs) Yeah. And after giving him an earful, they they make up, of course, and he apologizes, telling her that he loves her, and he's sorry about the lawsuit, that it was set up before he even met her, and he's sorry about the codicil. He was afraid that she'd send him packing if she didn't have a reason to stay with him, which she had a reason. She had just asked him to help. <laughs> yeah, no, this is like... <laughs> These people make their own problems. Yeah, it's insane. And he just wanted to be near her to see if she could love him too. And she admits she doesn't know if she loves him or not, which, you know, she shouldn't because she's only known him for like four days. Yeah, I mean, despite your dream visions, (laughs) everything you know about this guy is that he's a lying cad. So maybe don't. Absolutely. And he's willing to wait to see if she loves him. But first, they have sex. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he wasn't willing to wait then. (laughs) Well, he was willing to wait to see if she loved him, but not for sex. (laughs) Great. <laughs> they don't have to love each other to have sex, Sam. I mean, that's true of lots of sex, but the point is, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying kids have more sense than this, all I'm saying. They get, get further enmeshed in this family drama. Yeah, but she does, and there you are. And also, 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 she finds out the Hannibal doesn't usually shoot people, which I feel like is a big revelation. So basically, Tarek must have asked him to. Yeah. She's got a major thing for liars. <laughs> people not only liar, but people who manipulate everyone around her to put her in danger and make her dependent on them crazy. It's very Cole-esque. Apparently, the apple does not fall far from the tree, including the knife thing and now the ability to compulsively lie. Yeah, no, she is setting herself up for it. Just, I know Gregory was bad. These people are not 
better. Right. At least Gregory was kind of like strangely honest in his terribleness. <laughs> yeah, he was very uh, upfront with what he was doing. Yeah. So he finally like asks her again about her time in Legend, and this time she actually tells him the story. And she kind of finishes the story with like, you know, if the, the door opens, I do have to go through the door because I promised that I would try and resolve this problem. And he gets like kind of angry with her, asking her how she plans to stop the robbery or if she wants to go back to Cole. And she's like, well, maybe I could, you know, I don't have to stop the robbery. I could maybe warn Ruth and like tell her that the, the robbery is going to happen, that people are going to die. And he asks how she's going to get past the Jordan line. The Jordan line in her version was just a pretty hedge that, that was like the divide between the, the Jordan property and the rest of the town. Let me guess. Giant, impenetrable wall. Absolutely. <laughs> With uh-huh. guards. <laughs> Yeah, she can't just do what she did, like take a message to them or like... Yeah, no, she can't because they won't They won't let like, anybody pass that. They don't let anybody even near the gates. Yeah, but she can't just like say, hey, take this message to Ruth. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it seems unclear if Ruth would have any memory of this person or not at this time. No, because like, well, she be- wouldn't, right? Yeah, yeah. But like you can be like, hi, Ruth, I know all these things about you and blah, 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 blah. Here's all the facts. And just you don't have to necessarily believe me. But take your family. There's going to be a robbery tomorrow. Don't let them leave your house if it happens. Yes, she does none of that. Um, (laughs) The next morning, Tarek's gone, and by the time she's back at the main house, she's decided to head home, giving up, because she's annoyed that he, like, left her after they had sex, and he was right. There's not really anything she can do. She gave up very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, she did. After spending weeks and all this energy on a really futile quest, which she gave no thought to. The second she gives it any thought, she's like, nah, I'm going to quit. Yeah, absolutely. And so as she's packing, Luke appears and he's dirty and his clothes are torn and he's bloody and there's like a raw ring of skin around his neck and she's like freaking out. And oh, he, ex- he was almost hanged. Yep. And they explain that he explains that they went through the portal. It was the day before the shooting and Tarek had tried his best to warn the family, but they wouldn't listen. And he ended up trying to stop the robbers instead. But because they waited all day by the bank because they didn't know when the robbery was supposed to happen, the town thought that they were like spies for the robbers, like lookouts. Yep. So after they foiled the robbery attempt, they took Tarek and Luke into custody and were going to like hang them the next day at dawn. And so he's back, but he's not sure how much time has passed there because time obviously passes differently. So how did he escape if he was partially hanged? I guess he, I don't remember if the book mentions it, something happened, some kind of fight broke out or something and he was able to escape, but Tarek wasn't. Okay, sure. And apparently Katie's not supposed to go back. That was Tarek's last words to him. Let me (laughs) guess what she does. (laughs) She definitely goes back. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So, you know, she cleans Luke up. She gives him some sleeping pills and has him lie down. And then she sneaks out when he falls asleep. (laughs) So this book is at once the least surprising book in that, like, all the plot beats are totally predictable. And this is like, oh, this is what every character is going to react to this. But also completely unpredictable in that the characters may do the thing you think, but never for the reasons you think they should. Absolutely. And it continues. She leaves the house and sees Wendell, uh, you know, cleaning her motorcycle. And she begs a ride up the hill. <laughs> right. Motorcycles are well known for being great off-road vehicles. I guess she has one that kind of has like off-road tires and stuff on it. Anyway, yeah, okay. climbing yes. up that she does. In the cor- I'm sure she does, the but I don't think they're making it, like, I don't know if motorcycles make them any better at like climbing mountains, you know, than say a Jeep or something. Right. They make a joke about like, it depends on who's driving it or whatever. And apparently Wendell's amazing. So they get up the the, the craggy rock side and for the uh, life of her, unsurprisingly, she cannot convince Wendell not to go through the portal with her when it no appears. Kidding. <laughs> 
but she does talk her into staying hidden for for a little while and she brings her motorcycle into 1870s well i mean that sounds like fun that's a great idea Like, if you brought a magic, you know, motorcycle from the future, like, magic to the people of this time period, like, that'd be a pretty good way to convince him to listen to you. That would be. So Katie's wandering the town trying to find out where Tarek may be hidden, if he's dead yet. Like, she doesn't know what time it is, you know, how long it's been. When she hears the unmistakable sound of swords clinking against each other. And she swords. Ra- swords, yeah. I got, yeah, Old West, <laughs> famous for its sword play. Well, she does mention it sounded like a, a movie, like one of those movie scenes. And she ra- races off coming across the scene of Tarek being held by a man who has his arm around his throat and a curved blade to his neck. Katie jumps the guy with a big rock and knocks him out. I'm sure he was helping. Tarek is shocked as as Katie asks him. He's like, oh my god, are you alright? And he immediately starts to laugh because apparently Katie has just knocked out his grandfather. Great, great no grandfather. <laughs> So Katie's a little put out because she's been so worried. I mean, she thought he was dead, and now apparently everything's fine, and here he is just enjoying his time with his grandfather. <laughs> was he enjoying it? Yeah, they were just practicing swordplay, Sam. Oh, okay. Question. Yes. And this might be too logical. If they succeed in not having the original Cole Jordan killed, Tarek's never born, right? They get into that. <laughs> Great. Okay, good. <laughs> There's not much of the story left. There's just like a page. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get to it then. <laughs> Apparently Luke left three days ago, and he, he catches her up uh, to everything that's happened since then. So this is Gamal, his grandfather, and he's quite the charmer. He looks very similar to Tarek. And he got away by Gamal helping him out. I guess he told the people who were trying to, to hang him that he was a relative that had been hired by the Jordans to protect the bank. So why did Gamal help this guy out? They're never to says just... He looks a lot like him. He decided to be kind that day. <laughs> okay. He, and he has no evidence he wasn't actually working with the robbers. Correct. I mean, maybe he'd been watching them all day. I don't know the answer to that question. He was, I mean, he does help out the Jordans. Maybe he saw them trying to warn them earlier or something. Sure. Since they looked similar, nobody questioned the story. And he was not hung. And he used the opportunity to, I guess, mess up time some more by spending time with his great-great-grandfather. Will this cause, like, the time loop to explode or something? (laughs) I don't know. So apparently he hasn't told Gamal that much, like about all the time travel and stuff, but he feels like Gamal kind of has an idea of what might be happening just because he's smart enough. Yeah, yeah. The first thing I would think of, I was in 1870s Cowboys, like time travel is what brought this man here. Well, I think he is more like he knows the guy somehow related to him because he looks identical to him. So he knows that like there's some kind of familiar relationship there. Sure, sure. So he's willing to believe something, maybe not great, 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 but just like he knows something's going on. So once Katie's caught up, she suggests that somebody ought to know about a few pivotal time points, like how Gamal needs to have sexy times with Ruth or Tarek's not going to exist in the future. Also, that doesn't work that way. Okay, but... (laughs) I'm just saying, like, conception of a particular sperm and egg is not going to be like, oh, it's already changed things enough that I don't think they could replicate the circumstances enough that it can get the exact same fertilization process. Well, luckily for you, none of that happens. (laughs) Good. So they tell him the story and he kind of just, you know, takes it with a little bit of grace and he's game. He's like, yeah, you know, Ruth saw it. I'll cheat on her husband. (laughs) Okay. So they're like, they catch up. She falls asleep at the fire that night. And the next morning, they're interrupted by Wendell's motorcycle. And he's appalled that Did she- Did no can... one think to tell Wendell what's going no. on? like he's appalled yeah. that she forgot someone like Wendell was with her. He's like, that's like a general forgetting his army. <laughs> that is a fair point. 
And he tells her to stay put and rides off. And she promptly goes to find another horse because, you know, nobody ever stays where they're supposed to. Yeah. So she's riding through town trying to catch up with him. But she never makes it to town because she stops when she sees little baby Cole and Tarek Jr. wandering the street. Oh, how cute. Oh, little nine-year-olds. So she stops to talk to them. And she tells Tarek that she's a relative. She's with a relative of his. And Cole tells her that she's beautiful and asks who she works for, thinking that she works at one of the brothels. This nine-year-old's like, I'm going to come by you later. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and she's like, no, I don't don't work there. I, I'm a cook. And I once cooked a big rat for you, which he finds endlessly funny, as nine-year-olds probably would. Yeah, fair. She tells him that she's something important that she needs to speak with him about. Basically, she gives him a little pep talk, like, you own legend, and you have to take care of the town and the people in it, and you have to promise me that you're going to be good to these people. And in the distance, she can hear Tarek's horse returning, so she's like, you know, just throwing things at him. She's like, be happy, say hi to Ruth for me, and Mary- Wait, wait, wait. I know, Quick right? question. Yes. Sorry. I interrupt here. They already saved their life? Like, Tarek and Cole, their lives were saved somehow? Yeah, because they stopped the bank robbery. Was that not clear? How did they stop the robbery? No, it wasn't clear. You just said they stayed by the... They, didn't they know stayed the by the bank there. until the, the robbers came through. They somehow foiled the bank robber. We don't get the okay, details. Okay, you say somehow filled the... They just magically, they filled the bank robbers. Well, okay, they, that was but, not a clear okay, point. Okay, I did say that. When you go listen when you're editing, you'll hear it. <laughs> I'm sure I will, but like, I also think that's just two words about somehow foiled bank robbery. Okay, well, they somehow be, foiled the bank robbery, Sam, and when that happened... a satisfactory explanation. Right, when that happened... And they thought that the the citizens of Legend thought that the two okay. of them were involved. That's even dumber. It because is. <laughs> if they foiled the bank robbery, then why think they were involved with well, it? Well, I don't know. Apparently, they foiled it in a way where obvi- it wasn't obvious that they were the ones <laughs> that were foiling it. <laughs> oh, this book spent so much time on stuff that's dumb, like their whole Cole Katie thing in the cabin in the woods, and not on the stuff that's actually like interesting. Agreed. But here we are. It's a romance novel, not a not a try and travel plot book sam <laughs> whatever let's go all right okay, thank you I, mu- I must have missed that i'm sorry there was so much being thrown at me so quickly i missed this, that this, that last half of this book is fast so say hi to ruth which is dumb because i don't think ruth knows who she is and yeah, also like she's your grandmother of course you're gonna say hi to her <laughs> and to marry a cook in the future and put on a feast the biggest feast colorado has ever known and to build Tarek and his father a mosque and she says, oh, and one last thing, because she's about to get picked up by Derek. If he needs money, he should look for the old man's face, which is a reference to a rock outcropping yep. for the maiden mine. And Tarek shows up, and Wendell is passed out on the horse. Apparently, she wanted to stay in the wild, wild west, and he wouldn't let her, so he punched her. <laughs> okay, great. That's safe. <laughs> so... Uh, he picks up Katie. They trot off into the sunset. Wendell wakes up just as they make it through the door, the portal door back to normal Colorado. And she's furious. Like, she wants to stay. She wants to stay where there's, like, men have guns on their hips and, like, she could be the big, you know, woman of town kind of thing. Also, like, knocking someone unconscious. They don't just wake up with no ill effects minutes <laughs> later, <know>. conveniently. Concussions <laughs> have consequences. But apparently not. She's fine. She just wakes up. She's furious that she wasn't left in, in love. Legend where she feels like she belongs because she doesn't feel like she belongs in normal society, sure, I guess. You whatever. don't get a, lo- a lot of her backstory. And Katie notices that the portal is still open, even though they've all made it through. And she knows so that- So throw her back in there. <laughs> yeah, she knows that it has a mind of their own. So as they walk away from the portal, Katie tugs on Wendell's hair, kind of like as a signal, and then takes a fake fall, diverting Tarek's attention. And Wendell runs off to the portal, which promptly closes behind her. Great. I'm sure that's not going to cause any problems. <laughs> it doesn't, Sam. 
<laughs> or a dozen that you know of. Here's the epilogue, Sam. Perfect. Finally. <laughs> Let's see how everything worked out perfectly for our terrible people. Yeah, she's agreed to marry him. I didn't mention it, but he proposed marriage and I think post-sex. <laughs> Okay. And she said no at the time, or at least held off at the time. Now she's saying yes. And Legend is super different. It's like a tourist town now, and they're wandering through it, and there's like kids running around, and it's just like a happy-go-lucky place. And Tarek is like, oh my god, I wonder what happened with my finances. And so he runs off to find a phone to make a phone call. Yeah. And she goes off to the library and the museum to see what's up. So when Tarek makes it back, apparently they're still rich, so no worries. Oh, I was so worried. <laughs> And Cole ended up married to a Miss Catherine DeLong, one of the greatest chefs of the 19th century. And they'd put on a feast that was still talked about to this day. The biggest feast Colorado had ever known. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Hannibal owns half the attractions and is well-liked. And Luke is still an attorney who does all the work for the, the city. But they never had a daughter named Wendell. And she asks around about the lost maiden mine. Nobody's ever found it. So she knows Cole must have needed the money. But he clearly invested it wisely. And they decide to get married in legend. The end. Terrible. <laughs> Just awful. Isn't that a crazy second half? I mean, it's not crazy in the sense of like what happens because nothing really happens of interest. It's crazy that these characters make such poor decisions consistently. Like, I think it's crazy the amount of new characters and information they try to give you in the last right. 180 like, pages of this novel. Why bother including Wendell or, or Luke? Jake. Luke, yeah, Luke. <laughs> He's so inconsequential. I didn't remember his name for a second. Yeah, there's no reason for those characters to exist. And it's insane to me that this book is literally just set up for her meeting Tarek 200 pages into a 400-page book. Also, Tarek's terrible, and their whole romance is so paper thin. It's so fast and so stupid. <laughs> well, certainly a book you brought me, Danielle. Oh, it's a great book. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, it's definitely a weird book, so it definitely fulfills those parameters of our show, but I can't it. in good conscience claim it's a great book. <laughs> I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a great book. <laughs> oh, well, that was certainly... I did not expect it. You're right. I'll give you that. I want to hear from our listeners, actually. Here's what I want to know. What is Wendell doing back in the Old West? I, I really feel like that's a great question. I do think she'd fit in better over there, but I'm not for sure because I have no background on Wendell. The yeah. only piece that the book gives you, which I didn't mention, is that she says that she married an older gentleman who died three days after their wedding and she inherited all their wealth. <laughs> all she's doing in so the real I want to hear from our listeners I want them to write in and tell us what Wendell's doing in the Old West like what their what their thoughts are that because I think that'd be fun yes please let us know listeners if you want to send us information you can do so at bookretorts.com you can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts and if you want more of our nonsense or just want to support us you can do so at bookretorts.com slash patreon patreon sorry I forgot <laughs> for a second <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to put a little Old West flair on it yeah Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I regret asking. <laughs> well, uh, until next time, bye. Take care, everybody.
try to pick things that I'm not going to hate later when I reread them. Because <laughs> 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 I, I like the book enough that I like, you know, occasionally reread it and I would hate to go back to it and be like, now it's awful. <laughs> I gotta say, like, again, let's come from a place of love. We have to recognize that things we love have problems. We love them despite those problems. Exactly. Sometimes even because of those problems. I think in this case, I love it love. because of these problems. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm happy to hear that. 